0: This is Kerry Uridine, and you're listening to Normandy FM's Cyberpunk 2077 Retrospective.
1: Welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful Cyberpunk 2077 edition of Normandy FM. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, joined by Ken the Shepherd. Ken, how are you feeling today?
2: I'm very tired today, actually.
1: It is. It's it's been a lot lately. You know,
2: everything happens all at once,
1: everywhere, all the time. You don't say. (laughs) well we're gonna jack into the network and see if we can't you know remedy some of that in the great expanse of cyberspace and to do that we have the one the only an eloquent attempt at ire here to help us out ire how are you doing today
0: um i'm not too bad uh i actually got like a reasonable amount of sleep last night shout out to my (sighs) day person make <laughs> um and then I got up uh with... what games that i today. Um Oh I've been playing some uh, Jurassic World uh that that management sim. Mm, um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: that's a that's a pretty good game. Started playing Tetris Effect. Why is that so
1: oh. Oh. <laughs> Tetris Effect is so much It is, every time I think about the last level of that game, I get just a little bit emotional. Because it's, like, someone...
0: Tetris. emotional.
1: Yeah, like, I I love how it takes Tetris and then somehow gives me hope for the human race by the end of it. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) Like, I'm playing Tetris, and, like, all I'm doing is just setting up, like, wells and, and waiting for, you know, the eye blocks to come in and all that. But the whole time I'm thinking, like, yeah... What could we do if we were all united, <laughs> hand in hand, just like sobbing tears? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I love. Maybe I need to play that game. Oh, Ken, you need to play Tetris Effect. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, it's 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 shocking. Um, it's it's really really shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: yeah, I've also been playing a lot of Ark. Um,
1: mm. Oh, the so, the dinosaur game.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even though that
0: can't like my my
3: computer is like
0: plenty powerful but whenever i turn on arc i feel like my computer is going to like <laughs> like reach uh, uh an autonomy singularity and wrangle uh-huh. s- mm-hmm. me to death uh-huh putting it through such distress because like why is arc so poorly optimized um, <laughs>
1: It's, it's like those TikToks of like the PS4 when you turn the PS4 on to play a game and it turns into and like it turns a, into a jet plane? Jet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it just lifts it's off. Like,
0: hmm. Jesus. And also, why is it 120 gigabytes? This is not okay.
1: They're, oh they're God, just prepping like, you for the, the Vin Diesel that's got to come in. Vin Diesel mm, needs mm-hmm. a large storage space to fit onto the PS4. All that family got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, a
1: family can be... It, it,
2: a hard drive and port
1: family can be 120 gigs of storage space. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that's
0: cyberpunk. <laughs> mm. Speaking of cyberpunk,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's 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 keep on track here. Um, so today we are talking about uh, Map Ten Pellin up through, I believe, Transmission is the name of the last mission that we have here, mm-hmm. but broadly speaking we are talking about the chain of quests that involve the voodoo boys in cyberpunk 2077 um a a group that i would say is it's an interesting one to talk about it is it it is going to likely result in much discussion here uh was definitely one of the things coming into this uh season that i was interested to re-examine with the new update and all that but before we get into that um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself how you kind of got into cyberpunk and and why this uh this subject was was something that that you wanted to discuss and talk about
0: um well shout out to y'all for finding a random person on twitter (laughs) we're quite good at that (laughs) with, with spicy hot takes about cyberpunk um also uh Shout out to Ty Gleese Rowe, who mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm. my back <laughs> recommended me to Daddy the Shepherd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 sly rascal. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um I have loved the cyberpunk genre for probably just my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I like the sociology, I like sociology, history, and aesthetic analysis. Aesthetic analysis is not just sparkly vibes, emo, uh, aesthetics, uh, sparkly vibes emoji, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is an actual um, philosophical uh, process by mm-hmm. which you analyze and criticize art as it relates to the beliefs and ideologies and psychology of communities and demographics and nations and people that screw Uh And the cyberpunk genre is the – cyberpunk as a genre, to me, as I have consumed it over my life, is the expression of a particular generation's anxieties Mm -hmm. as it relates to capitalism, Uh militarism,
3: Uh
0: and xenophobia? Yeah. In a post World War II Cold War context, uh-huh. there is a lot of, you know, Japanophobic, uh, z- you know, xenophobia towards Japan in the cyberpunk genre that has a reason. It is bad.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Like, it, it was a bad thing for American media to do um, to villainize uh, Japan in the ways that it did. But not to justify it, but explain it, it had a reason. Like, you know, Imperial Japan, before uh, it was forced to surrender at the end of World War II, war-crimed a whole region. So when the Japanese recovery happened in the 1980s, not just the uh, United States, especially the Western United States and like California. Lots of countries had good reasons to be anxious about what, quote-unquote, recovery meant for a former fascist imperial nation that didn't apologize for any of the war crimes that it committed. Mm. Um, and America tends to deal with, like, all of its problems with xenophobia <laughs> and racism. Mm. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. The cyberpunk genre wasn't uh, an exception, right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's deeply fascinating. Um, I think that cyberpunk as a genre, as just this glimpse into the, into the psychology of America in the nineteen eighties as a as a post uh, World War II, uh, as a you know, contemporaneous. Psychology with the Cold War and all that tension with the former Soviet Union,
3: uh-huh.
0: I think that is deeply, deeply fucking fascinating. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, all of... S- pretty much all cyberpunk media deals in those themes. Whether or not the authors were aware that they were dealing in those themes is like also interesting because that just means that like the zeitgeist under which they made their art was so powerful as to just like influence them you know like uh, neon genesis evangelion is about Mm -hmm. an aftermath of hiroshima and nagasaki the first Mm -hmm. and second impacts that happened off screen and uh, the anxiety about a potential third
3: like yes, uh-huh. that is
0: a post-nuclear war anxiety. Like that's it's there. Uh-huh. It's not there, but it's there. You know, um, the fact that Johnny Silverhand—you know, this is backstory—but uh, like the fact that Johnny Silverhand unleashes a nuclear warhead on a Japanese corporation. That's 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 expressing uh-huh. that post. Nuclear um, anxiety that America had, just in general.
3: Mm-hmm. I
0: don't necessarily think that, like Mike Pondsmith and of Serran Games, were like explicitly trying to be racist towards Japan in having an American war veteran nuke a Japanese corporation, but like it's operating on a subconscious level because Mike Pondsmith is an American. They're creating uh, media, uh, when he wrote Cyberpunk, um, they were in Southern California, I believe. Um, so like, yes, regular American civilians, especially in California had a particular anxiety towards, you know, a what if scenario about Japanese power, uh, particularly economic power since after World War Two. United States, thick with irony, didn't allow Japan to have a military anymore. Mm. So, like, you know, all these, you know, histor like all, all these, all this history, all this sociology, all all this, um, uh, you know, geopolitical uh, machination uh, is happening and being expressed through this genre. You know, cyberpunk is just Fear and anxiety about the conflation of um, the resurgence of Japanese uh, fascist imperialism through, um, uh, you know, corporate colonialism, uh, Nixon era uh, foreign policy in South America, Reagan era economics, um, and just good old fashioned American racism and gun culture. It's just like, what if all this just. And, and and this nascent technology called the internet which at the time was solely a military technology which is why cyberspace in this ge- in this uh, generation of media is like seen as a front for war mm-hmm. like as is seen, seen as like a, a front for combat it's it's just the, a combat arena Um, because that's what the internet was at that time. Um, it was this technology that was used by and for militaries. Um, so netrunners do combat in the internet because mm-hmm. that's what the internet was for. Um, the World Wide Web didn't get turned on to what, like ninety five. Um, you know, so like that's that's why I love this fucking genre. It gets it, <laughs> like
3: and then mm-hmm. and then
0: you know. Fifty years ago, all these authors are writing about, "Hey, in fifty years, is like the conflation of all these things going to like make society bad?" And then, like, here we are in twenty in twenty twenty two, and like in the past two weeks, the Supreme Court has made America mm-hmm. more cyberpunk than it's ever fucking been. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. here we are, folks, um, right. and like, and and I can recognize that. Um, yeah. I'm black. I live on the East Coast. I'm queer. Like, I live cyberpunk every fucking day that I walk outside my house. Um, And so does everyone else. But it feels like everyone else doesn't see that, which is weird. Because, like, you know, I know I'm not dumb. I don't know everything. I know (laughs) I'm not stupid. And so when I look at Cyberpunk 2077, when I look at Cyberpunk 2020, 20, the tabletop RPG, which everyone owns a copy of if you own Cyberpunk 2077, um, when I look at Snow Crash, Ghost in the Shell, Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talents, uh, mm-hmm. The Dispossessed, um, Neuromancer, Blade Runner, all these media properties, like, you know, Ghost in the Shell, uh, most those stories happen in the 2020s I think the ghost in the shell anime uh starts in like 2027
1: yeah like 2029 or something like that I think that's yeah that sounds right-ish I know like where they're at right now is like 2045 but I think yeah, which like which which is, is yeah
0: which is the same year that cyberpunk red is set in it's set during mm. like the 2040s or 50s mm-hmm. um and it's you know cyberpunk is always kind of explicitly concerned with what the future is going to look like in half a century that was mm-hmm. um, i don't think that was the case in uh metropolis uh from 1927 i think that was like more far future but um you know con smith and arto games and you know uh, cyberpunk was released initially in 1988 um the first books were set in like 2013 uh uh-huh. um, and then uh, Cyberpunk 2020 came out. Uh, uh, Ghost in the Shell and Akira are both set during the, during the 2020s. Um, I believe Akira is set during the 2020s, I might be wrong about that. Um, but like, and then Cyberpunk 2077 comes out and it's set just about 50 years into the future.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like the there, there's a consistency and a cadence. Um, that I feel like people don't recognize because they don't think that they're living in a cyberpunk dystopia, but I don't mean to harsh anybody's spell out, <laughs> mm. but we're living in a cyberpunk dystopia.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was even one of the, that was one of the pieces of writing I remember most from that, like when the game had just come out, was it from, I think it was Waypoint actually, that like the headline was something like, Cyberpunk 2077's dystopian cities are already here, and like talked about how, you know, a lot of these things, like, like Night City is kind of like a, a, an amalgamation of, like, a lot of different places, and mm-hmm. it referenced places, you know, throughout that article that were, like, where are, a lot of people are already living and things like this. This is some, you know, warning, some fantasy to a lot of people, but this is, you know, the reality for a lot of people already, and that is, you know, one of the interesting things ab- about it is that, like, you know, it's it's talking about, you know, I guess, like, you know, when, when you talk about something in, you know, a real-world context. It's, like, you know, all the things that it's already warning about, that it, like, ostensibly is putting forth a solution to, alongside it's warning. Like, for a lot of people, the stuff is already here. And, you know, there's this d- disconnect between some people that play this game that don't necessarily see that a lot of this is already happening. And, you know, maybe not in, mm-hmm. like, one-to-one comparison ways, but at least, like, enough that, like, there's, like, an element of reality to the oh, things. Oh, there's things. enough. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh- a lot of cyberpunk, and I'm glad you brought this up, Iyer, is that, like, it, it's not just about, like, the aesthetics in terms of, oh, things are neon, things are futuristic, things are reusing analog stuff in a digital world and all that. But a lot of cyberpunk is also about the anxieties that are being expressed and the things, like, the worries, and also what those worries reveal about the people who worry about them <laughs> in, right. in the process. and. I think there are times in which 2077 does try to strike into some of that and and get towards some of that and i think some of its better moments do explore some of that in the same way as that a lot of the cyberpunk fiction that i've liked the most in the past does try to at least explore some of those anxieties and what they say about the the people who have them and about where you know society goes from there but that is you know it is a weird game to play, as as we were noting, because there's a lot of stuff that feels familiar. There's a lot of stuff that feels uh, way too familiar. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like check out this crazy future where bad stuff is happening, and it's like it's that stuff's happening. That's that's not crazy future. That's that's now. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I'm pretty sure uh, Mike said on some stream uh cyberpunk is already here but it is unevenly distributed right um Mm -hmm. and and i and he also wrote an essay um in which he ended cyberpunk was a warning not an aspiration and like i made it kind of a meme on my twitter specifically to uh like quote that um on like certain articles and uh announcements um where I would just be like, you know, tapping the sign uh, <laughs> It's warning, not an aspiration, you weren't supposed to like, you weren't supposed to want to be here. Like, mm-hmm. and that's right. one, that's one of the reasons why I wanted like people to watch movies like uh, Metropolis from 1927 mm-hmm. because uh, that's, I haven't watched the movie again recently, I should, um, but like that future, is nice, but there are sacrifices that have to be made. And, like, the cyberpunk genre is often about, um, you know, in order to have these things, this cyberware, this technology, um, this neon, all this stuff, um, you have to sacrifice something. Like, in order to have mantis blades in your arm, you have to cut off your arm. Mm. Like... Is that worth it? <laughs> um, uh, in order to like, you know, uh, in something like Ghost in the Shell, like in order to have a cyber brain, you have to like replace your brain.
2: Right, and <laughs> like, it's, that is yeah, and it's interesting. That's bad. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because like this is this very particular point in the game that we're talking about today feels like it's the game. Like, I I think broadly. When we've talked about this episodes have not aired on the public feed so you might not have heard these yet but like we talk about how like certain characters in this world are you know looking for certain solutions to problems that they have and maybe not recognizing the actual sacrifice that it causes because we're going to talk about the, you know the engram and the idea of like you know putting your consciousness into something that can let you persist in some way or another and it feels like the characters kind of like On the edge of talking about what the reality of that is, without actually fully engaging with it, and I think that's something interesting about twenty seventy seven specifically, because I think we're going to talk a lot today about like, and you also have more um, experience with like the tabletop stuff than we do. Mm -hmm. But like, Mm -hmm. there is this element that we're I think we're going to have to talk about a few times in this show is that like, what is the disconnect between how twenty seventy seven talks about something and how Cyberpunk the you know capital capital c cyberpunk the franchise talks about it in other ways because there is to some degree like as you know we were going through our notes and talking about how like some of these things are portrayed in certain ways and not really explicitly talked about in the video game in the Mm -hmm. same ways um so yeah it's just gonna be like an interesting episode to talk about the disconnects i think that, that 2077 has from the source material and how maybe it does not always get to the same discussion points that other other things that um, Ponsmith has written in the past however many years necessarily does.
1: Let's, mm-hmm. let's get to it. Let's talk about some of this stuff. Let's, let, let, let's go. Let's begin. Yeah, we, we could talk all day about just general cyberpunk uh vibes, but we do have content to create. So, um, <laughs> so we we know from our previous missions that we need to work with the Voodoo Boys. The Voodoo Boys were the ones who hired Evelyn to undertake this whole assignment and as we've discovered evelyn was just supposed to get the virtue of the the interior of the apartment uh in arasaka tower and then get out instead she double crosses them sets up her 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 own heist thus kickstarting our involvement so now we are trying to find the voodoo boys because they wanted the relic they knew about the relic so if anybody's going to know about the relic and also as as we have learned through world lore and stuff they know about things like tech and net running and potentially AI consciousnesses and stuff. We've also heard talk of Alt Cunningham, whoever that might be. Who who could it be? Maybe we'll say? find out. Um. So we need to we need to go in and and meet up with the Voodoo Boys. Who we who we call we have to call Mister Hands, who is just the the most like we made this this skeevy business guy who he runs a all this stuff out of Pacifica yeah it's it, it's almost it is a caricature but i like it because it leans mm-hmm. into it so much it's, he's very much like oh well if you want business done you go through me and stuff like that it's he, he's a goofball but it's funny goofball but he also initially gives you the impression that uh, the Voodoo Boys, the VDB, as he calls them, which I don't get because that's not a very handy shorthand. It's, it's like the same it's, it's number not. <laughs> of syllables. It's the same thing. Uh, it's it, it's like how business bros will condense things down to acronyms just to sound cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, gives us the impression that... Th- you don't want to reach them and if you're you will be reached out to do not worry about reaching out to them but also you don't want to talk to them but we're like hey look we want to know so we have to we have to call we have to wait one of the classic cyberpunk moves of hey here's a thing that we're going to do where you start a mission but it takes time because things in the world take time so go do other stuff um please go play our side quests (laughs) um Eventually and they did it with like
0: uh, having to pay rogue. Like you have to rogue for Yeah.
1: Broke yeah. Um, eventually I came back. Um, after doing I forgot what side quest I did now that I think about it. I think I accidentally ended up on a Delamain side quest mm. against John I, uh, I I I know people don't like the epistemology side
0: quest, but I fucking love epistemology.
1: I, I I want to kick Delaune off a cliff.
0: I, <laughs> 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 uh, I that
3: that quest
0: fucked me
1: up at the end. I was like,
0: oh, I still got to get to the end of it. Oh so. shit!
1: I I think I think it is as a sandwich. Its bread is delicious. It has fantastic bread. The beginning and the end are really good. Mm. The middle is. We. Just memes. It's all memes. It's all. we you don't got. like yes, Glados in your game. Yeah, we got the uh, voice uh, of uh, Glados. She says the cake is a lie. Isn't that funny? Yeah, the, a thousand percent. A yeah. thousand percent. And mm. so that's why I don't like Delamain. But um, that's perfectly fine.
0: But the the
1: I the end gets I, there. The end does get there. The, the 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 end gets
0: I I like that it's weird. Mm-hmm. I, that that I I'll I'll say that I I failed the that quest the first time I played through. I think I destroyed one of the cabs that I wasn't supposed to. Damn. Uh, Well, you're not supposed to destroy it, but I I destroyed one, and I kind of just like walked away from it. But in my second playthrough, I actually made it through. and I was just like, oh, like, and like my because of my build, I couldn't, I didn't have access to one of the decisions. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Anyways.
3: Yeah. That.
2: that, (laughs) I would say like it, it is interesting. Like when you get to things like that, where you know actual options are. To, like barred from you because of your build mm-hmm. I actually don't know what yeah. that's referring to because I haven't got to that mention yet but I, I do like that sort of thing that it, it, that Cyberpunk manages to weave into decisions mm-hmm. it, it like it yeah the,
0: the game like sometimes you know kind of does well with uh, having there be consequences to the decisions you make in this mechanic
3: Mm-hmm. Like yeah.
0: there's a, there's a, you know decisions you can make in a narrative sense and then decisions that you can make in a mechanical sense like with your weapons and the skill points that you invest and like not all the time but sometimes there's like a, a, a synergy
3: mm-hmm.
0: that that twenty meets and like epistemology is like one of those places and I was just like mm-hmm. damn if y'all like did this in every quest
1: like, right mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. fuck but
1: so yes we 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 wrangle our cabs and and finally get a call from mr hands and uh he lets us know that okay you know there's a job that the voodoo boys want done we'll volunteer you and maybe that'll get you your in so we head over to a chapel in pacifica to meet our contact um and there is a a service probably a funeral going on uh a funeral slash rave it's a very somber rave it's it's a it's an interesting vibe when you enter that church and um we can speak to uh the the preacher talks a little bit here um about the the lore of this area let's say because pacifica is kind of its own area of night city it is very much its own district, and um, it's very isolated. It's it's uh, A lot of them are refugees from Haiti. A lot of the citizens there are from Haiti, uh, which has been lost due to climate change. And so uh, a number of people have found themselves living there in this one large do we want to delve into kind of the overall structure of Pacifica? Cause it's also part of our, as we, as we walk through this whole area and we're talking to Placide and stuff as well. Um, but there's, there's like balls there. It was kind of built as like this almost attraction. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think Placide says something about, uh, the corpos built it to spend their money here, but then just never finished building it. And so, um, a lot of these refugees have kind of moved in and filled in the gaps, and um, the the crux of the mission that we're about to, to undertake is actually about the Voodoo Boys trying to seize control and of this this mall that another local game that gang, the the animals, have taken over, and also try to figure out what's going on and maintain their their control of the area in general. Um, it's it's a cool area that makes me wish other areas of Cyberpunk felt this like fleshed out, I guess.
2: Like storied, I, I guess.
1: Yeah. Like there yeah. is, there is an idea here. Like they have created this area that feels like it has a backstory. It has lore underpinnings that you are welcomed into, that you are given the, the rundown on. And it really made me think about how a lot of the places that I'd been in before did not have that. And granted, that can be some of the the message that's coming across. That like the just mixture of neon and Asian aesthetic and um, cyberpunky technological buildings mashed up with old rundown, uh, like like you know mattresses on floors like we had in the last one and all that. Um, that can be, you know, kind of sending a message about. this is just kind of everything cobbled together and falling into place, but I really like how Pacifica from the jump is presenting this idea of this is what this part of Night City has become, Mm -hmm. and this is how it got there, and this is why the Voodoo Boys are kind of the main power here, and it gives you this kind of almost gradual introduction into understanding how the Voodoo Boys are involved in the community there, how they are not just like the maelstrom or the animals or or any of the other kind of like gang factions we have run into but they're also a like a a faction in their own right you know they they they're deeply ingrained identity yes they're deeply ingrained in pacifica they're not like like the maelstrom at this point just kind of felt like oh well what if these dudes really like turning themselves into robots and we made them the bad guys for this mission? That'd be wild. And, <laughs> and the animals also kind of feel that way to me where it's like, Oh, these, these bodybuilders sure love bodybuilding and being robots. So what if that I mean, was the they're, gang? They're, they're,
0: they're just, they're just cyberpunk, uh, crossfitters. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they got direction. They know what they want to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm yeah, there's
0: some crossfitters, I, I hate Maelstrom. I hate Maelstrom with a passion. Mm. Um, uh, Maelstrom, uh, there they, they. This is one of my spicier takes. Um, mm. One one of many that will probably be during this podcast, but um, uh, Maelstrom feels like a cyberpunk white supremacist because mm. uh, there is a trend for white people in. America try and distance themselves from their whiteness. Mm. Um, uh, there's already like in um, tattoo and um, body modification communities, especially uh, tattoo communities for white people who get big color and black work tattoos to call themselves people of color uh-huh. as a in cheek. Yeah, mm. it's it fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the way Maelstrom, like, are there are very few um, uh, Maelstromers of color, uh, mm. which I notice. Mm. Um, and so the way Maelstrom, it seems to be like a large group of white people who embed their bodies full of technology. Um, gives me a vibe of a group of people trying to distance themselves from this aspect of who mm. they are um, that I can see today. Um, uh, theme of my life. Uh, mm. <laughs> cyberpunk is here today. Um, and yeah, that's I, I absolutely despise Maelstrom they, with they, a passion. They make me so uncomfortable.
1: They, yeah. they also have that like, that idea of reaching some level of like perceived purity through like oh i have removed the things right. that make me mortal and have you know introduced all these things that make me greater through technology and all that is very much like a like, building, like the, like the, the,
3: the, the, building the perfect the human transhumanism yes yes yeah, yes, yeah.
1: yeah. um which, you know, it's, it's cyberpunk. We're to talk about transhumanism at some point, too. So it's, um, maybe even later this episode, who's to say? But um, the Voodoo Boys themselves, as we as we get introduced, because we have this handler that first kind of introduces um, themselves and is like, OK, you're going to go over here and you're going to talk to this um, cashier and you speak the code word and you head into the back and you meet. Uh, Placide, who is uh, chopping the head off a chicken as, as you talk. Love and it. And rolling, up, it. rolling it up in some newspaper and tucking it away, which I... It, it's a good start. It's a good intro to a character. Just the first thing I thought was, like, there should have been some more blood. <laughs> like, mm, probably. I, yeah. I really, really think there should have been some more blood than they showed. I mean, if you're gonna chop the head off a chicken, you know, why you know, why halfway? <laughs> but... Um, it was it's a very like what's the word i'm looking for it's they're they are showing you straight up like this these are the voodoo boys this is what's going on if the maelstrom's intro was them just like leering at you with their like multiple eyes and stuff like that then this is this is the straight up intro to like this is what the voodoo boys are about and then you get the the walk and talk where you walk through pacifica blisida is kind of giving you the this is what the area is and this is what's going on and you're you're seeing all these different things there are these market stalls built into these giant corpo skyscrapers i will say one of my favorite parts about pacifica is this building this like mega building that the voodoo boys headquarters is in where it is all clearly repurposed office supplies Mm. and the desk that placide sits you down at and does the whole like interview with you is it looks like it should be like a secretary's desk like there is very much like a it's positioned in a way to where that person could like greet whoever is coming into the larger room Mm -hmm. that's behind him and it's it's got that great vibe of like this is a repurposed building all these market stalls are kind of propped up between pillars and stuff um it's a really, really cool area. Again, like this is a lot of where I was going, this is the aesthetic design. This is the, this is the sort of, you know, idea that I wanted of we're going to have Night City feel like it's realized, like like have these places that have some meaning behind them mm-hmm. and, and have some like ideas behind them and are, are pushing this, this world that you can kind of infer not just from Placide telling you what's going on, but you can just look at the world around you and feel mm-hmm. like you're learning more as you observe it. I, I like it when, when games show and don't just tell. And and this was like a moment where I think on replay, I was really appreciating the show that is going on as you're mm-hmm. walking through this area. Um, but we should probably yeah. talk a bit about the Voodoo Boys themselves, because this has always been kind of a weird subject around cyberpunk. Um, so for me coming in as a cyberpunk um, like a fan of the cyberpunk genre someone who likes ghosts in the shell and akira and things like that um when i first saw a gang called the voodoo boys i was like that's a weird thing to do <laughs> that's a weird way to take it and, and put next to um gangs like the tiger fangs i was going like oh boy <laughs> so um and then i i did some research and for this episode i did some more research to learn about kind of the origins of where this stuff came from and Ira I think you can speak very well to this the the idea of that that Pondsmith had around the time was that originally I believe back in the 2020 version of cyberpunk it was it was a bunch of essentially white boys calling themselves the voodoo boys and wearing the culture but being you know almost like um what was that that movie about the the gang members trying to escape to coney island um the warriors like almost like a warrior's take on on this this culture and this idea and then over time and especially with 2077 coming out pond smith seemed to kind of rewrite this into as these haitian refugees came in and as all of the um the folks fleeing because of the climate crisis uh, came in. They took back the the concept of the Voodoo Boys and made it their own, and and sort of kicked the the appropriation out. But uh, do do I kind of have that that timeline right there?
0: Uh, you basically have the timeline correct. Yeah, I which is one of the reasons I I like you know I hate the Nelson Gang, mm-hmm. um, but. Pretty much all the other gangs I adore. Um, the Valentinos are Cyberpunk Cholos. Shout out mm. to uh, you know Cholos being in the future. Um, uh, the mocks being a bunch of sex workers, uh, being like you know unions and labor rights don't exist. So uh, if you try something, we're just gonna murder you. Like mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Um, uh, even even the Tiger Claws. They're, you know, just problematic faves, basically. Mm. Um, but the Voodoo Boys, I adore because if you have a bunch of Haitian refugees show up to a city and see mm-hmm. a bunch of white men wearing bow locks and mm-hmm. shrunken heads around their necks, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they would absolutely go
3: <laughs> Haitian uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Um, and murder them. Like, mm-hmm. you're like, you're, you're dealing with a bunch of trauma mm. about having lost your home. You're dealing with the trauma of having to emigrate to a new country. You're dealing with the trauma of being exploited by a bunch of rich capitalists. Um, Haitians feeling trauma about being exploited by capitalists. Who would have thought? Um, so, like, the fact that they come in and they say, you know what, enough of this shit, we're taking our culture back, mm. you are getting the fuck out, um, and we're just going to, like, mind our own business as best we can. Um, I adore that. That resonates with me. Mm. Um, uh, you know, CD Projekt Red are a Polish studio, and I'm sure that they have uh, lots of, Consultants like cultural consultants. Probably even had a couple of um, Black and Haitian people um, on the writing teams. Um, But like it, it it just it works. Mm -hmm. Like it it just it just fucking works. And and even the you know uh, there's there's a, a a difference between like. You know, the cyberpunk, you know, Western cyberpunk, uh, small-c cyberpunk, Mm -hmm. the genre. um, Western cyberpunk, you know, is very concerned about these, you know, geopolitical economic anxieties about the balance of power between uh, the United States uh, and Japan and the Soviet Union. And Japanese cyberpunk, like, deals more in these, you know, shinto philosophical questions about what it means to put technology in your body um, kind of sidestepping the geopolitical questions um, because they don't really like to uh, consider their mm-hmm. geopolitical history. I'm mm-hmm. just like I get it but like you should probably wrestle with that um, and so should the United States. Um, but cyberpunk in cyberpunk from the global south perspective, ask different questions. Primarily, where the fuck you get all that metal and labor from?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like, the Haitians reclaiming um, their association with the voodoo, um, you know, we'll get into their uh, goals when it comes to um, cyberspace uh, later in the pod. Like, all that stuff, it works like and it it works fantastically and so when people criticize the voodoo boys for being stereotypical i'm just like first of all how many haitian people do you know like i've known placides in my life like that's like that's it though that's that's my man um uh, he can drag me around by a leash any day um (laughs) uh so like So, like, when people criticize the Boys for being, like, problematic representation or stereotypical or inaccurate, I'm just like, no, like, a bunch of refugees from the global South who have had enough um, would absolutely just kind of remove themselves from, uh, you know, would remove themselves from systems as much as possible. The mm-hmm. way that they do with Pacifica, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not. It doesn't have access to um, like municipal utilities. Uh, the NCPD doesn't um, uh, go there. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it, like it doesn't. Like the NCPD doesn't do much of anything except use all of its money to subcontract its literal fucking job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they don't serve that area. And so the Buddha Boys are just kinda like, Well yeah, fucking leave us alone. Mm-hmm. Like Haiti was the first uh, you know, nation in uh, the colonized imperial New World uh to liberate itself and then Haitian history since then has just been the West making sure that these black people who had the audacity not to want to be slaves anymore don't have shit. They only recently finished paying France uh, reparations for costing the French government profits. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, like, the New York Times only, like, two weeks ago wrote an article about how Haiti is a poor country because France forced them to pay reparations for lost profits to France. Mm. That's why that's why Haiti's a poor country because France has been stealing their money for over a hundred years. Um, so, like when in this world in Night City in the uh, uh, you know the Western Confederacy that Night City exists in in the new USA that constitutes the Eastern Seaboard um, and the relative blank spot that is this in the centering United States. Um, yeah, these Haitian people would just be like, oh, "Goodness, you know what? Fuck all of this. Like, we're just mm. we're gonna be over here, mm-hmm. separate. Uh, leave us the fuck alone. Um, as much as you fucking can. Like, we're we're done dealing with everyone, done being exploited, fucking done. Done.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh,
0: if we if if we need you, we will call you.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, and I, I think like to give. Some of the people that like had those criticisms when the game came out a little bit of like benefit of the doubt i think it's interesting to see the ways that Cyberpunk 2077 actively doesn't share information with you in a way that feels one- like I-, I feel like it lends the game to some of the criticisms that it got but i also feel like when you omit the history in terms of like what you're actually showing to the player i think it actually in two examples specifically that we're gonna talk about in this episode in terms of them not really giving you the information that is brought up in like say the tabletop stuff I think it it actually ends up being meaningful in terms of really grounding the player's place in the world as V, because like V is an outsider. Why would they like sit down like, oh, here's our history. Here, let us tell you all about everything that happened just and how we got here. Mm -hmm. And in that way, like I, I get why people, you know, if you're going through just like the main plot of this game, like you'll have that reading. But you know, in in the margins, in all you know, the text logs that you can find out in the dialogue that you can hear if you're like just passing by people. A lot of the stuff is there, but it's just not necessarily laid out for the player in the way that, you know, a lot of the world building is in other places where V is more prominent. Like V is more ingrained and more, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. actually at the center of what's going on. We're here, V is passing through, and that feels deliberate. But I also, again, like I feel like it opened the game up to the criticism that it got.
1: I
3: we'll talk a thousand percent.
1: We'll talk about this as we further go in, because I think there's there's parts in the later missions of this that specifically get towards this, but there is, no matter what life path you choose, V is going to not be of Pacifica, right? You, are right. Not, you can't, you know, you can be a street kid, but you're not a street kid of Pacifica, and obviously Corpo and Nomad just don't, can't fit that either, so no matter what, you are out of your element in Pacifica as V, um... And I think that's I think that's interesting because it does. At, at times, like I feel like Placide is sort of intended to be this standoffish character, and it can feel weird because I think in a lot of RPGs and stuff, you kind of get that like main character feeling of, oh well, I'm here to do the quest. Please tell me about the quest. And Placide's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me just go deliver this chicken and upload the virus into your head, and you can go on your way to the mall. <laughs> it's exactly, like exactly. he he doesn't want to talk to you about anything more than he has to. If you try to like question why you need to jack into this computer that he's running diagnostics on, which he's he's just he looks up, at you, yeah, with
0: the with just like just, oh, just fuck me up, like
3: uh-huh.
0: like <laughs> fuck me up, Placine, please. I I was devastated that he wasn't a romantic option. <laughs> uh, uh, uh but like also just his demeanor is very very accurate I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, you are a you are a haitian man i mm-hmm. yes you are um, <laughs> uh and and so like seeing the way that he treats you um you know uh, reveals so much about his character mm-hmm. without
3: mm-hmm.
0: like him having to like sit you down behind the secretary's desk and be and you know I I, I am a, a genius net runner and mm-hmm. uh, I, I know what the fuck I'm talking about mm-hmm. so you know it, like he doesn't need to do any of that he's just like yo if you don't sit the fuck down and jack into this fucking computer I will take this machete off of my back <laughs>
1: I've, <laughs> I've still got the knife from the chicken, I will use it again. Um, yes, like like, and it's even it's it's a framed like a job interview. Like you are, right. he is he is running system diagnostics on you to see if you can survive the job he wants to send you in to do. And you later find out why he wants you to live at least live long enough to do what he needs you to do. But um, it's it's a really cool standoffish moment. You even have Johnny hovering behind being like oh man something's wrong here and it's it's johnny johnny's the biggest shithole in the world (laughs) is (laughs) um god they really just let they they got keanu reeves like incredibly charismatic person to just play the biggest dick in the world um we had last episode where he's uh saying bad things about all the sex workers that you're running into and now this episode he's just saying terrible things about the voodoo boys and we're just like oh boy oh johnny where are we going next (laughs) um but yeah so we 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 have this thing where we basically get told that he needs placide needs us to go in and infiltrate this mall um to figure out what's going on in there the animals brought a van in and the van definitely seems to have some hardware in it that you know these giant uh protein chugging meatheads would not normally need for their uh average day-to-day and placide wants to know what's up so uh also of note he notices the relic but does not identify the relic for what it is um that is important as well put a pin in that come, yeah put a pin in that one <laughs> um and so as we also get some some side chatter about someone's heart rate dipping and things like that but that's again put pin in that as well Placide basically sends us down and is like hey head over here uh go to the mall uh my boys will meet you there and they'll show you how to get in they don't really show you how to get in <laughs> um after we also t- also t- accurate yes yeah <laughs> to, to,
0: to to just Asian men this just like yeah my man will like help you out. me he's mm-hmm. um, just
1: like who the fuck are you <laughs> yeah, <it was> just... <laughs> um we we show up in the mall parking lot after getting through i remember this section specifically being super weird because it was you are basically still kind of in a quest but you kind of go from one quest area to another quest area and there's an open world expanse in between and for some reason, they decided to put like an ambient firefight at one point. I, I The last time I played this, not th- for this playthrough for the podcast, but before that, I remember getting into some random firefight in the middle uh, of the street on the way from point A to point B. But then also there's a <laughs> Delamain car in the area, mm. too, uh, because Delamain just knows when to show up. And uh, it, okay. it was- I, I heard that you were
2: actually moving on to the plot.
1: Yeah, which is, I bring that up because <laughs> now that you have Placide kind of in your head, he will get mad at you if mm-hmm. you are not doing what you yeah. need to be doing. And so he will <laughs> be like... like I
2: was just walking there.
1: Yeah, you, there are so many times when I was like just walking. enough. Of, I clearly... <laughs> I'd take like a side venture or I'd like kind of try and sneak around or something. You'd be like, where are you going? Go faster. And I'm just like, God, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Again. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we show up to the parking lot. Placid's uh, pals, Placid's crew is hanging out there. Some of the voodoo boys have been watching the lot, and they said that they've only seen uh, people leave them all once for supplies. Um, we've got about 30-ish uh, animals inside, and this is where we've got to do a whole lot of stealth. And Ken, I, honest to God, you watched me. I, I made an honest attempt at stealthing this whole section. Um, it did not go swimmingly, but <laughs> it it happened. Uh, I tried to, if only because I knew that Placide was watching, and Placide was like, don't make any noise. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> e. Um. I don't know this this whole level feels like it's laid out for stealth but also it just kind of felt like it was missing some some things that I would have wanted out of a stealth area like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of cover to kind of move around in but the actual area that you're moving through feels very um like there's not pathways let me say it that way it's not like when you play deus ex And you see, like, oh, okay, so I could go, like, through the vents over here, or there's, like, some rafters up there that I could take, or maybe there's, like, kind of a thing over here I could do, or I could go out the middle, and there's kind of, like, waist-high cover that I could, you know, if I wanted to go the the shooting route instead. Instead, it just kind of felt like it was an area that was not really designed to Mm -hmm. accommodate anything other than kind of general moving and sneaking it felt very well. Skyrim to me i don't know why it mm. just reminded me a lot of skyrim and sneaking in skyrim mm.
2: well speak for yourself i got in and out without a bullet fired
1: well come on now wait wait you can you can stealth that boss fight
2: Mm-hmm. well then. i just i just uh kept rebooting optics and moving through the pillars <laughs> or like moving past these pillars so
1: i uh i i shot that 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 large lady many times (laughs) many many times i ran out of ammo from how much i shot her (laughs) um but yeah so we, we we get through we go in uh we find the van and jack into said van and uh inside this van is a whole bunch of hacking and computer and net running equipment and we discover that it looks like netwatch is here and netwatch are basically the internet cops. When people mm-hmm. call the horny police on you, that's Netwatch. Mm-hmm. Uh and so uh they they are basically we we can dive a little bit deeper into this when we actually beat the Netwatch agent Netwatch agent that we learn is in this building and is kind of operating the the operation here and has hired the animals to be his like uh his his toughness, his his guard while he is here. But um netwatch is looking for the voodoo boys and pacifica and they are kind of mapping the area um and placide notes that like this is all incomplete you know he's got some stuff but he doesn't have everything um and we get we get a ping that says like oh the agent is in the theater um and and then we get the agent hacking into our system and being like step back or whatever um Placide tells us that we basically need to get in person with this guy. We can't just fry him over the net. Uh, we we got to get in person. Um, some more sneaking, more more snooping around, more dodging animals, and then eventually a boss fight with uh, Sasquatch. Uh, who, like I said, I just fired bullets at <laughs> the whole time, just <laughs> ran in circles to, like, sprint, turn around, shoot, sprint, turn around, shoot, um, was not a compelling boss fight out, outside of the one time where she picked V up and slammed V onto the ground, and I said, I wish someone would do that to me because my back hurts. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. That's it's not great, there. Patrick. Yeah. What's up? That, that, it's that, not quite it, And I was that's... like,
2: honestly, that was the point where I was like, oh, damn, I have really, like, spec'd out in a way that I did not in the last time I played this game. Because, like, mm-hmm. I needed to have, like, seven RAM to reboot her optics. And it, and she had, like, enough resistances to it that, like, it did not last very long. So like, I had, had to, like, sprint mm-hmm. between each of the four pillars to get o- around her and then into the theater. But it worked. Like, seriously, like, I was very surprised at how... You know like it wasn't easy per se, but like I, I was surprised to realise that I was capable of getting to that entire section without so much as firing a gun.
1: Congratulations on being capable, Ken. I just have guns. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, solve, we, we solve problems in different ways. Oh my god, I just scrolled down and saw the image you put in the notes here <laughs> of your character literally holding a shotgun <laughs> up to the Netwatch agent. And you say that you didn't fire a bullet. Okay.
2: Hey, I just, I, I mean, I, I didn't sometimes shoot him either. I, gotta,
1: hold, I, I saved just and reloaded. To it doesn't count. <laughs> um, so we meet this NetWatch agent who's in the projector room of a big theater that is playing some sort of like knockoff Clint Eastwood film in the mm-hmm. background. It's like a Cowboys vibe, and I've never really been able to figure out what's up with that, other than maybe like he considers himself like justice in the Wild West or something, or maybe that's just the only movie they had. Who knows? But I wait. <laughs> hold up.
0: I, isn't isn't that one of the Bushido movies?
1: I thought it was the thing I remembered seeing in the background was it looked like something out of a Clint Eastwood movie. But- yeah, the, the, sure, uh,
0: remember the um, uh, the uh, style uh, key art, uh, like kitsch and neo kitsch and militarism, like when when they were advertising like the different uh, fashion styles. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned those into like uh, movie posters for this in. Uh, mm.
2: oh. the movie projected on the screen at the cinema where you confront the Netwatch agent is One-Eyed Jax, a Western from 1961.
1: Mm. Oh, okay.
2: According okay. to Wait. the Cyberpunk wiki.
1: Is is it, like, an actual, actual movie?
2: Yep. Wow. Oh. 1961 okay. American Western film directed and starring Marlon Brando. Oh. His only directorial credit. Interesting. Oh,
1: okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. Interesting. Thanks. Um... Learn something new every day here on Normandy FM. <laughs> um, so the the NetWatch agent now kind of cuts Placide out of our our head and says like, "Hey, you know, hear me out. Let me let me tell you what's really going on here. Uh, I'm Bryce Mosley, <laughs> the NetWatch agent. <laughs> um, and and so he's he basically tells us like, NetWatch is trying to. I guess the best way of saying is like corral uh the voodoo boys the voodoo boys are trying to pierce beyond the the wall as it is like the the black wall the, the yeah yeah the black wall firewall um that that kind of nets in cyberspace and this is this stuff is really cool I actually really like this stuff in general the idea that like um cyberspace is kind of this universe in and of itself and what exists as the net, as the public uses it, is just the fenced-in area that that keeps everyone there, but the Voodoo Boys want to poke into the outside where there's apparently rogue AI running rampant, and there's all kinds of wild stuff happening out there. And the Voodoo Boys, I, I think as we talked about earlier, we, we talked about the idea of uh, Pacifica being this separate state, this idea of of wanting to not rely on Night City in any way, but being this this self sufficient separate uh, municipality from the city itself, and so the desire to want to break beyond the Black Wall and and not be corded into what Netwatch decides is the internet is 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 interesting and is a good um compelling motivation for the voodoo boys um to to break into that stuff um netwatch has basically frozen brigitte who is the uh leader that we were trying to get in contact with as well as another uh net runner that also tried to figure out what netwatch was up to and they basically have them locked into a system with ice ice um and, and have their minds frozen in the net and so you can kind of make the connections that when Placide was talking about somebody who was having heart problems and stuff back at the headquarters they were talking about Brigitte um, so he's going like hey you know help me out and I'll give you money and we're like we don't want money we, we were trying to we need to talk to Brigitte we need to figure out what's going on with the, the relic that is in our head that is killing us and he's like, oh, well, you can still work with us? Uh, you, yeah, The Voodoo Boys are playing you, you know. They're playing you. And you're like, well, what do you mean? Oh, they, they put a virus in your system earlier. Run a diagnostic. And this is actually a really cool segment where he's like, run the diagnostic, and it's all fine. He's like, now run it again. It's the exact same values. And he's like, see, those, those things should be changing all the time. They're not. You're being fed diagnostics and all that Um so at this point they're trying to be like oh you're going to get played by the voodoo boys and and all that and uh I I still just took netwatch down.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I, Me too.
1: Like like number 1 I don't trust this netwatch dude at all. Not that I trust the voodoo boys either. I do think the voodoo boys are but they've at least been upfront in that they're hiring me to do a job. So of course they have their own interests at heart. Whereas like the NetWatch guy is clearly just trying to play you. Even Johnny is like, he is trying to play you my dude. <laughs> like, that is, there is uh, not, not a chance that he can actually help you out with it. There's nothing that this NetWatch guy can do. Whereas at least like Brigitte might be able to help me. Um, I, I, Ken, I'm reading your notes. I cannot believe you sided with Night- with Netwatch. What are you doing?
2: Well, so to clarify some things, he says he will re- he'll remove the virus from our head, which will kill us. Like, keep that in mind when you're like, oh, the Voodoo Boys have been very straightforward. No, they haven't. Um,
1: well, they've... Uh, they, they've what?
2: they
0: They've been straightforward in that they've told you that they're hiring you to do something. Yes. The fact that they've, like, uh, you know, kept information from you, that's, like, you know, within the world building, like, of course they're going
2: to get something from you. That's need I to think know there's a, a huge difference between, like, <laughs> oh, they didn't tell us that they were trying to, that you're trying to, like, save Brigitte here. But, and, like, telling you that, or not telling you that, and not telling you that you will die from doing this mission, worlds apart. Worlds apart.
1: Yeah, but they're not trying to be your buddy, buddy, friend either. The way this NetWatch dude is, like, he's like, "I'm your pal, I'm your friend." Like, yeah. He's hey, Eric, what buddy. happened
2: after you took him down? What, what happened?
1: I got right back up. I got you right died. Up. Keanu Reeves picked me right back up, like he always does, <laughs> like a pal. But
3: anyway, I will.
0: I will say. I will say, uh, Kent, that your uh, your reasoning for why you sided with NetWatch is one of my favorite. Reasons,
2: and um, I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Beyond the fact that like one of them is actively trying to kill me, and the other is not. Like, for me, this became one of the moments of like role playing in terms of like how. And we talked about this in past episode about like how V's bodily autonomy is like paramount to a lot of the decisions that I make in this game. It's paramount to a lot of the relationships that I have, and like things like not drinking not smoking not hitting a vape and when the the maelstrom guy uh, offered it to me um things like this like in a game that is constantly like the the lingering threat of your body not belonging to you is like it, it Keanu Reeves is right there all the time reminding you of that and that Placide had like and put a virus in my head you know without my consent that was a moment that was like okay like almost like a fight or flight thing of like another force in this world is trying to take my body from me and the things that i want i want from it um and you know we talked about how like like, in in the mass effect season we talked about how there was a lot of shit where it felt like that game was forcing things onto your character and their autonomy in a way that Mm -hmm. felt Mm -hmm. not even just like like, it felt, like, disrespectful to the fact that a player was, like, trying to make their decisions and project, like, a sort of identity in this world. We're here in Cyberpunk 2077. I feel like any time that the game is doing that is actively feeding into the larger themes that the game is having. And actually, like, you have to kind of, like, sit there and be like, how would you react if somebody was turning you into a walking bomb without you knowing? And you've already got all these other forces in place that are, like, trying to take your body from you. And I was just like, I don't really care about netwatches beef with the voodoo boys but i do care about the fact that my body was being used in a way that i did not mm-hmm. approve of or consent to mm-hmm. and it, you know it is like as a street kid like i have been very much like yeah fuck corpos like you know throw the middle finger up to all the corporations game but here was like a moment of like examining the nuance of all of that and that like i can't just because somebody is like you know not a corpo that, means that they are any more trustworthy than this, this fucking netwatch guy and, yeah, like, the, we'll get to, you know, the ramifications of all of this in a minute, but in that moment, that decision felt very true to the character that i have been writing to acknowledge that, like, yeah, I'm not necessarily an ally with this Netwatch guy, but he is at least being, not not necessarily more forward, because, like, I mean, again, we're going to get to the, the, comp- the sort of uh, the complications that this is going to bring up, but at least, like, he making me aware of, a certain level of deception that I was not before. And yeah, so it feels like I it feels in line with me to get that virus removed even if it's just gonna be uh fitted with another in a second and yeah. Quote unquote, quote unquote removed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Altered. But yeah, I
0: I yeah. I I like that as a uh role playing moment that mm-hmm. the mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there, there's a lot of, a lot of the, um, so like, to bring in the tabletop RPG, the game Cyberpunk 2077 is based on a tabletop RPG. Tabletop RPGs require um, a literal dialogue between
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the game master and the player um, in Cyberpunk, um, the tabletop RPGs. So like there there has there is an actual like dialogue occurring between like the autonomy of the players and uh, like the storytelling of the referee, um, and Cyberpunk 2077 as a video game, you know has to codify like all of the like Cyberpunk 2077 the video game is the referee, but it has to include all of its decisions beforehand basically Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're still in dialogue with the referee but the referee can't like you know make stuff up on the fly because it's everything's already on the disc right Mm -hmm. Um, but in a moment like this I like that as long as a player like Ken who has his own V with, you know, their own uh, motivations that he's, you know, imbuing into that character that can still constitute that dialogue, and I like, I like how you have this character who has their motivations and just like fuck corpos, um, but also what the fuck did put this shit in my head? <laughs> got side with this corpo for this moment for mm-hmm. this moment in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily because, you know, like actually maybe these corpos are kind of alright. Like, no. Um mm-hmm. it's it's just, you know, hey dude, like kinda of cross the line, I have a line. It's just like, Really? You have a line in Night City? It's just like, yeah, man, like I do. Um, so I like that. I did not side with Netwatch. I was like, Fuck Netwatch. Um yeah, which is because fair. Yeah. Because as a, a person of Caribbean heritage I was just like, I already know these Asian people I don't want Like try and fuck with me right now. I'm just (laughs) just gonna fucking deal with it. Um, So yeah, Yeah. like that. That that was my decision. Um, You know, I I dealt with it when I uh, when when I when I went back to the Voodoo Boys uh, hideout. Like, but I I really like the way you actually role played in a role playing game, Mm -hmm. uh, which Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't do, which is weird
1: yeah yep. it's I, I think for my corpo character is very much like i i need to talk to brigitte and this i can tell when like a corpo dude is squirming and trying to get out of a situation that he is lost mm. in and this dude has clearly lost and is trying to squirm so i was not yeah. i just didn't want to hear any of his stuff even if there is a virus whether there is or not we don't know what it does yet and i don't want to hear him try and wriggle his way out of it, so we're just going to deal with the consequences if something happens. Which because
0: you're because you're a corpo, you're just yeah, like, dude, cause, I I know this gig. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That's been again one of my favorite parts of playing a corpo in this game has been the amount of times V is like, no, I know you're bullshitting because I am the bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, I am the one who knocks. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, just to move things along, for Ken, Ken had a very nice little. Uh, mm-hmm. Session of getting the malware removed and, and, and being let out of the mall And it was all very nice And then a uh, bit <laughs> of an altercation It sounds like when you got back to mm-hmm. <laughs> The Voodoo Boys headquarters Like um, y'all talking about Placide
2: Throwing you around, that man threw me around <laughs> look, look, look He look. threw me hey. against a wall Like, you know Hey, hey
0: All I'm saying is, is that if We have scene, <laughs> We're in a Consensual situation. <laughs> there would be ragdoll physics. Right? <laughs> and I would be okay with
1: it. God, I see what you have done for other Vs. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but we uh we you know you you had that situation. Mine was the opposite where I got fried. Uh it was a really cool cutscene actually where you see all these agents' names popping up as as getting fried all over the map, and then you get popped too, and then you you come back, and Johnny's like, "Oh man, they uh that must have been a smoking virus. Like it really took everybody out, and, and it was supposed <laughs> to take you out too. We we're basically a walking bomb for for uh, for the Voodoo Boys, and so we we can go back. Wait, and there's... can I can I
0: interject something? Uh-huh. So, Ken, uh, you didn't remember when uh, 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 Johnny first like. Oh, right. oh. shit on the voodoo boys um eric do you remember when johnny calls the voodoo boys juju wireheads
1: i remember him saying something like that specifically like he he said yo. something around the setup of the voodoo boys quest that i was like what was that again <laughs> like, <laughs> yo
0: when i was i heard that and i was like yo we got slurs in 2077
1: <laughs> they came up I with
2: new like, ones Holy
0: shit. I... I like, yo for real I was like, "Yo, that's so
3: creative!" <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yo, we got creative slurs in 2077. <laughs> Fucking incredible, Juju Wireheads. I was like, "Yo, that's that's amazing." Um, that is I, so like it, absolute outstanding. Mm-hmm. I like I, I I I am not you know excusing the fact that uh, Johnny Silverhand just like made up a slur for. Uh, boys but just as like a bit of like world building and like character writing just fucking knocked it out of the park because mm-hmm. that i was not ready for that i was like holy shit um so yeah just really that that was i was like wow Juju Wires? um so yeah just really i got I, whoever came up with that like i you yes
3: it. It. <laughs> it's
1: I, I I like that you bring up that it's it's like good character writing too, because this is I think throughout this this section as we get into some of the uh Johnny stuff that we get into once we get back to the Voodoo Boys headquarters, um we really get into the idea that Johnny in a lot of ways is both this revolutionary figure, but also sees himself as above just everything and so he he talks shit about everyone in this game like it's not enough to be like the voodoo boys he has to call them names like that he has to talk shit about the sex workers too like there there is no one even people like Rogue who were you know somehow important to him in real life he still is like oh I got her wrapped around my Mm finger she'll dance to my every word like he is a grade a thermonuclear narcissist and
3: literally yeah
1: and and it is i I mean that that's him it's this is this character where he has whipped himself up into this revolutionary frenzy but totally he would be sitting out back with beers and say some shit like that and you'd be like what was that johnny johnny Johnny, what did you say (laughs) yeah um so you you had You had a physical confrontation. I still had much more of a like standoffish confrontation where I was like, "Hey Placide, Mm. what happened back there?" Yeah, yeah. He's very much like surprised to see you again. He's like, Mm -hmm. "What are you doing here?" (laughs) And oh, the uh,
0: the two the two uh, voodoo boys who are like literally just
1: standing outside. Yes. Oh my god. mm. Uh, They're they're talking about how you're not going to come back. Yeah. It's
0: just like. look at you like they saw ghosts. Mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, you can uh, just go uh, right back uh, right to the, the place
3: yeah,
1: yeah, you want a ride? like, they will literally give you a ride back to the hotel, because they're just like, what is going on? Um, it's just like, uh,
0: this, this wasn't part of the plan. Uh-huh. Was, was this part of the plane? was this part of the I
1: don't think um, mm-hmm. we, we we head upstairs and so we have our, our confrontation with Placide, however it goes, and then Brigitte shows up and is like, hey I'm taking over from here and sends Placide out. And um, this is where we we start to get into her character because she is obviously the handler for Evelyn. Um, she knows about the chip. And and we can even ask her, like, hey, so Placide didn't know about the chip, huh? And she's like, nah, like, barely anyone here. It was like a need-to-know thing. Um, We can kind of probe a little bit for information at this point. she mostly just confirms a lot of stuff that we knew already about the relic um, and kind of gestures towards the idea that we might be able to get the chip taken out of us and and get it fixed and all that. Um, we can also bring up Evelyn Parker and the game once again takes a dump on Evelyn Parker because it is and no, no other way. Yeah it's that that is this. <laughs> poor poor evelyn <laughs> um but we have to go back to the chapel and down further into the uh the the underworkings of the chapel that we were at all the way back at the beginning of this quest line uh to get into their super net running sanctum sanctorum to uh to dive into the net and uh, there there's some there's some other stuff here that's pretty cool. Um, you, you noted Ken the line about um, V says oh you don't seem the religious sort and and Brigitte makes the comment that oh we left our gods back on Haiti, but um, we are strong here without them. Um, kind of an interesting note. Uh, it's it's definitely like one of the the things as we get into the actual net running side of the voodoo boys is they start to, sort of mix in a lot of stuff of like tech and talking about tech in the way that say Victor or the Maelstrom were, but they're also kind of working with general ideas and phrases. Like I think there's some line that Blaseed had about like the light touched everything. It should have also touched you, but you were not succumbed to it or something like that when he's talking about the virus. Um, like it's, speaking about tech in like a spiritual way. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like discussing tech in a very religious way, and then pointing out the strangeness in that you know they even build their net running tools beneath a chapel, like beneath a church, and it's it's an interesting like approach to net running that feels very different from the normal like hacker at a keyboard, um, again like Ghost in the Shell type thing that this it's almost seen as this like for, for what it is an out of body experience, like a separation of mm-hmm. um, realms between like the corporeal and the spiritual. So like I, it's, it's kind of this cool vibe that we're getting as we're going down into these tunnels and seeing what amounts to, like candles and, and paintings and things like that. And this very like spiritual vibe, the deeper in we go. Um, and then we're greeted with this Bell. giant, giant, net running <laughs> set up. Jackie? Uh, Jackie, yeah. Jackie, yes.
0: I was like, Jesus, what is going on? Anyway, after V loses Jackie,
1: mm. uh, she,
0: like the game replaces Jackie with Johnny.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the way that after the Haitian community loses Haiti, um, uh, they replace that
3: um, uh,
0: and and just like kind of cyberspace as like this alternate uh, conception of i don't know like an afterlife or just some you know kind of it like in the in the snow crash way of like you know there being cyberspace being this substitute for like heaven or mm. Or even hell, or just a, a place to go after the body expires. Um, I was like, no, that that does make sense. It's like okay, like I I can see what the writers may have been trying to do with that. Mm.
3: Um,
0: and so, as weird as I felt about it at first, I was like, all right, no, I can see, I can, I can see how that works. I
1: I think the black wall stuff in in particular, mixing with the Haiti is. It read to me as, like, these these refugees lost a sense of home, like a, a physical sense of, of being and had to move to this new place. And Pacifica is kind of just built on old buildings. And there are markings that make it more familiar to them and, and more of what they're looking for. But um, it's, it's hard to replace that sense of, like, a literal piece of of ground of of terrain of land that that you can call your own that you that you hail from that you have a connection to and so looking to the net this place that is completely unbound from the physical that is if you know if we are going to be without a homeland why don't we explore what all is out there where you know homeland no longer ties us down is interesting it's this idea that like without without that sense of belonging to place, suddenly this new place that is not bound to, that cannot be destroyed by climate change, cannot be destroyed by forces in that way is interesting and can then also explain why they are so standoffish with Netwatch, which wants to control and create regulations and, and map them off from places that they want to get to, um, that they want to explore and and discover, um
0: it's 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 the classic uh situation of just like you know don't you're not allowed to enter the, the room at the end of the hall mm. it's mm-hmm. just like i'm definitely going to enter the room
3: at the end of the mm-hmm. hall by the end
1: of this movie yes, yes.
0: yeah <laughs> like, do, um don't open the door it's just like what a i <laughs>
1: open see what's Door. Icarus, don't fly near the sun. Oh, I'm touching that sun. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fly so close to that sun. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me. Now all I want to do is fly to that sun. Yeah, said. Exactly. Don't, don't think of an elephant. What's the first
0: thing you think of? An elephant. Like...
1: Um, so we 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 get to the lower area, and there's a bunch of net running stuff down here. A um, bunch of computers, chairs, all that sort of stuff. And we start asking what Brigitte specifically wants with Johnny, and they say that they're looking for Alt Cunningham. That's 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 interesting again. You know, carrying carrying the pin along, perhaps. Um, and we tell her about you know Johnny's construct is is alive and it's acting and it's doing stuff. This is not a situation where like we have the relic and we can give it to you. It's there. It's a little bit more complicated than that so what they end up telling us is the plan is that we're going to use Johnny as bait in the cyberspace to lure alt out because alt and Johnny have a connection or at least Johnny is the best connection that they have for reaching alt out beyond the black wall. And, uh, Johnny, the second he hears about alt and all that, he's like, Oh, hell yeah, I'm in Get in the ice bath. Like that's, um, And I do love that there's a literal ice bath because your body heats up so much from the net running that they have to like cool you in an ice bath. I think that's just that's neat. That's interesting. Why did everybody Um, else get to sit in a chair? Well, everybody else they're not they're not doing the stuff that you're doing. Like you are basically running two people at full capacity in a single body. (laughs) They are. And, And I and I think it probably has something
0: to do. Yeah. 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 Like
1: specifically
0: mm-hmm, okay. it could, because the Voodoo Boys aren't going actually right. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. But like we we we're, we're PC gamers. Like, right. We, we know <laughs> The stress we're, we, we're, we put our computers through.
1: We're liquid cooling our bodies right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, gotta put the thermal paste on our feet before we get into the bath. <laughs> um. So, we they they also strengthen the connection between. V and Johnny so that they can like really phone in and we get into the cyberspace and everybody's in this like blue space and Brigitte appears to us and is basically like okay we're going to strengthen the connection and then just cuts and uh, we are now in Johnny's life again doing Johnny stuff we're walking around backstage at a concert we're pointing a gun at our fans as you do we're arguing with Carrie. Uh, we see Alt Cunningham is, is in the audience, although we probably don't know that it's Alt, but we do recognize, like, someone who is obviously a person of interest in the audience. Um, and Johnny and
0: When all this fails, pay attention
1: to the blonde white woman. <laughs> exactly. They're like, oh, look. <laughs> um Johnny and Carrie are are arguing. Carrie is is getting really annoyed and is like, "Oh, this is this is not what we planned." And Johnny's like, "I'm the only one who has a vision for this band." <laughs> it's it's very it's very good. It's very cheesy in a way. Like it is very rock starry in a way. Um, and and as we go into the the changing room, Alt is here um and we get immediately into sexy times where we have first person sex scene with with alt um and just what is the the wildest so wild for so many reasons like they don't show they don't show Keanu's genitals at all. They go out of their way to never show Keanu hog in this video game. <laughs> And I can understand there's probably a reason why at some point someone stepped in and said, no, we cannot put a dick on the Keanu Reeves model. (laughs) Like, this is, we can't, we can't do this. But it is weird that, like, Alt is kind of walking around, like, straight up pulling a Winnie the Pooh at one segment, (laughs) or or, or a Donald Duck, if you like, although no sailor has. Yeah, it's it's called
0: Donald Duck. (laughs) <laughs> I, I always liked
1: Winnie the Pooh, but that implies that you're wearing like a crop top, you know. It's whereas like Donald Duck is if you're wearing a sailor hat, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, but um, they show
2: yeah. all of all of all. Like that yeah. that was just like there's like there's an inconsistency throughout the game in terms of like how it shows bodies, but also like very specifically in the sex scenes, they all like you know they're in first person, but they cut in ways always stop you from having to actually see. The, uh, the nuts and bolts of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but then here, like, she she's hanging all out, and they do take, like, they make points of, like, having her hand in the way at certain points, and it's like, there's, but, like, you can still see it, like, and there's, like, this inconsistency to the way the game always portrays this shit, and I just don't really know why. Like, why do we make, like, why do we make that decision in the character creator about what genitals we have if every time that V would feasibly... It. Yeah, like, every time that v, v is, like, feasibly would be naked... They, they're in underwear Like I, I was I don't think we brought it up In the heist episode But like When you wake up After Johnny and oh, V Have in gotten shower. in their first fight yeah. Yeah, yeah Like they're in underwear I was like why Like what Look, sometimes Yeah Sometimes you want to mm.
1: Sit in the shower And be depressed But you don't want to be Like totally naked You know mm. <laughs> There are dozens of us Kenneth
3: There are dozens there's, of us <laughs> uh, It's
0: uh, It's like the uh, The Seinfeld episode Where he's just like I want a belt That has pockets So that when you're naked You still have <laughs> um, <laughs> for you to do something with your hands while you're naked. <laughs> um But I, I felt like the game's inconsistency in its relationship to nudity like had something to do with like the weird censorship things uh, that mm, they to be considerate mm-hmm. about when it yeah. came to like the Japanese and um like Southwest Asian releases and I was just like like I guess, like but like, and like it's even, still we- like, yeah. Just west like Western media and movies have that weird relationship anyway. Right. It's always annoying. So like I don't know. It's just and like even that, in America, like you're right, just, Ken. It was just weird.
2: Yeah. Like even even in America, there's like a concern about stepping from an M rating to an AO rating. So like I'm not even saying like you need to see the sex as it's happening. I'm saying we don't need to see penetration happening. But like it's just the weirdness in that like you can see dicks in this game but never like in the world you know
1: it's yes yes yeah and and like in general just the idea that you are kind of seeing like two people rocking and bumping but but just kind of like generally within each other's areas and not really like it's there's just this weird almost like unattached nature to it which like hey I will say one of the things I really like about the scene, which this is, is a scene I ultimately like a lot. And maybe because I just think alt ends up being the coolest character that we only see for like three minutes of this game. Mm. Um, thousand percent. Uh, but I love that it is very clear. Once the good times have ended that alt is here to end the relationship. Yeah. And she came in for one last rodeo <laughs> before she leaves. Queen, and, yep. uh, fantastic and johnny has
0: and johnny has no clue johnny is like you know just like where is this coming from and alt is just like you are so fucking stupid Yeah. yeah
1: like she even has this line that's like if you were just some dumb rocker boy with dreams of fame, that'd be one thing, but you're like completely narcissistic. You're self-obsessed and you think it's all about you. You think you're going to like fight Arasaka when like alt is the one actually in danger in fighting Arasaka. Right. So let's, let's move this forward. Cause I really want to talk about that. Cause it's maybe one of my favorite parts of this whole mission <laughs> is um, as, as we have this breakup and also you have, basically constant ability as johnny to abuse different substances in this section uh whether it's drinking a ton or taking pills or stuff like that um all of which again feels very interesting because there are moments where you have to do it to move forward and kind of reinforces that side of johnny and being that character um but we head outside as we're going up the, the, the stairwell. We see Carrie getting some action. Good job, Carrie. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> love. To I might see not it. be alive
2: for another 36 years, but you think you can just get with other dudes while I'm not even born yet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we celebrate. We celebrate Carrie getting some action as we're walking up the stairwell. Um, congratulations, Carrie, uh, on, on the sex. Uh, and we get outside and Johnny and Alt uh, continue to have some sort of argument and it almost sounds like Alt is coming around to some sort of reconciliation and then some dudes walk up and it's, they, I love how this scene builds the dread of it because at first I was like, oh, these are just NPCs down the street or whatever. They just have this in the open world or whatever, but you start to realize as they're kind of posturing closer to you and all that, that they are obviously like their friends for y'all and Johnny of course can immediately be like oh get, get out of here alt I'll take care of these dudes and then just gets his ass kicked um, just completely wiped uh, and stabbed through the gut by mantis blades um, and then alt gets kidnapped and, and they, they take off um, and we wake up in a ripper dock office of Milt is this correct did you spell this correctly Ken? Milt uh- Noman
2: Mm, I thought I did, and now you've got me
1: questioning. So I know, I that's like, that, that was like a... I look at that, and I'm like... Yep, that's yeah, that's right. That could, yeah, that could be a cyberpunk name, but also you read it, and you're like... Milt? <laughs> 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 uh, Shout-outs to Milt, um, who uh, is a ripper dog with a history of patching Johnny up, uh, and Johnny's been brought here by a media... Um, a, uh, a character named Thompson, because subtext is for cowards um a media named thompson is here uh, and he's been looking into a story about alt and so he saw the kidnapping go down and he got johnny out of there is like we got to go get uh alt and save her and johnny is like no this is about me Sokka did this to me and we got to go get him. they think they can take my girl and like what 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 carries on from here is just an incredible series of Johnny thinking that this extremely big thing that is going down is completely about him and he's like nah Arasaka's trying to get me and stuff and everyone else is like no Johnny it's, <laughs> it's, it's that, really not about you
2: <laughs> it's that fucking scene from Endgame where Johnny's like you took everything from me and Arasaka's like I don't even know who you are yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah um what's that it's 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 wild but um yeah, no he's like i gotta get the crew together because um alt made soul killer as we discover alt is the one who developed soul killer the thing that would later somewhat ironically kill johnny's soul <laughs> so um we we gotta get the crew together we go to a bar, I believe it's Afterlife, actually, right? Don't we go to Afterlife? No, no it's the Atlantis. Uh, at the, Atlantis. the Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to go find Rogue, and of course, Rogue is, like, waiting on a client, and is trying to do her job and live her life, and Johnny storms in and starts drinking her alcohol, and is like, Rogue, how's it going, honey? Is this your new fling, and all that? And it's like, God, chaos person. Um, uh, and, and so... We're like trying to talk rogue into helping us find Alt and then uh a bunch of Arasaka uh hitmen bust in and rogue's like, God damn it, Johnny, you didn't even realize you had a tail <laughs> and we have to shoot our way out of the club. Um really just an Johnny, amazing series of such events a piece that of shit. happens here. Yeah like it's almost lovable how stupid Johnny is like just so self-obsessed he's he reminds me of like the the blues from arrested development where they're just always like oh but how is this actually about me mm-hmm. <laughs> um so after a big escape and shootout rogue and uh, her partner santiago and Thompson, our journo friends, and, and Johnny all gather up, and we're like, how are we going to get into the tower? How are we going to get into Arasaka Tower and save Alt? And we just start a concert that turns into a riot <laughs> and storm the gates, um, which is maybe the most rocker boy thing that Johnny mm-hmm. has done thus far and is very good. But, uh... Look, the,
0: the uh franchise has some of the best interpretations of, like, classical, uh, like, D&D classes ever. Mm. Like, the fact Mm. that medics... The fact that, like, Trauma Team is just, like, a healer, and it's just like, no, but what if you gave a healer a submachine gun? (laughs) Um, The
1: the healer gets a gun now?
3: (laughs) Yeah, and, and,
0: and, like, it's just like, okay, so, like, a bard, but, like, it causes, like panic mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. also the bard has a gun <laughs> and so <it's>
1: like... <laughs> I, I love the idea that yeah. like you're not doing bardic inspiration or whatever you're just causing riots yes. <laughs> yeah you're just causing chaos and hysteria uh-huh uh-huh it's it's a cool interpretation of the bard mm-hmm. concept um so we we're we're heading in thompson has the world's goofiest gopro on to record the whole thing Uh, god the the days before
0: brain dances i guess
1: yeah i I do have to say like thompson is an absolute scumbag in this whole section but i love that about him that he is this total like i'm here for the story guy and he's he's good for that he's he's enjoyable for that um, and Rogue, you know, voices like, hey, maybe we shouldn't like Twitch IRL stream this whole thing out. Mm. And Johnny's <laughs> like, don't worry about that. We're good. Um, no, and she's like, okay, no further elaboration on that. Um, it, it, you know we blast through we're, we're johnny again so we've got johnny's gun and johnny's health regeneration and all that so it's honestly pretty easy to get through this whole mm-hmm. section they're even like look out it's a turret and i just stood there shooting Watched it until, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um we blow open a door with some explosives and we get into where alts being held and uh there's an arasaka dude at the chair is like i've what did you do to alt what'd you do and he's like i put her to work on the project of a lifetime and johnny just blows his head off Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and we try to wake alt up but she is completely gone she's in like this this chair in like a net running suit and all that and she's just completely gone um and then thompson is like still recording and and johnny's like what are you doing man what are you doing and and he's like the world has to know she's gone so and then we can just beat the shit out of Thompson, which, like, yes, you do that because that's what Johnny absolutely did. Are you kidding Mm -hmm. me? Johnny absolutely beat the shit out of that guy. (laughs) Um, and and we surface back into the cyberspace, um, and find we're we're now V again, and we see Johnny in cyberspace, and we can ask, you know, about what happened. Um, Thompson's like, Johnny's like, I never worked with Thompson again. The recording never made it out, so whatever. Um, he has like a weird line that he says like that scumbag Thompson probably would have killed Alt himself if suck had and, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, man, do you do you really just think everybody is out to get you in some way? Mm-hmm. Um and so we can kind of give him shit or we can start to ask about Alt and all that. Um and this is where we kind of get into what the crux of the final part of this quest line is, which is about what alt is now alt kind of like escapes into the net a little bit um it's i yeah okay so i'm, I'm also looking at the the notes that you left here I, and and that's a good like comparison is that like modico going into the network in ghost in the shell it's a very similar idea of like just transcending the body entirely and going into the network and escaping there. Um, but also...
0: Um, I, I made that uh, comparison. Uh, we're discussing or um, we're, we're bringing up specifically, if you're familiar, more familiar with the anime, uh, this would be Ghost of the Shell 2 Innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the end, After, uh,
1: at the end of that movie, um, Motoko's body gets destroyed, and um, I think Bato is like too slow to save her. Oh, um, was this? Was that standalone complex? No, no, this is the movie oh, okay, because th- that also happens in Standalone Complex, where yeah, where Motoko yeah. gets, like, shot as she's trying to get onto a plane, and Bato is standing, like, right there, and he's like, no! And then you find yeah. out that she just, like, uploaded into the net, and she's fine. Yeah.
0: Um, because she's done that
1: before. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's done time, time that many uh, times.
0: That.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, even, and Bato's still,
0: like, trying to be a fucking savior. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's almost like, men. Women who have uh, like magical networking powers, I like, can't perceive that women can take care of themselves. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so Marco um, Kusanagi uh, uploads into the net, and the danger is that without a, a cyber brain to like anchor yourself, that you will lose your personality mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. among the just like cacophony of information, um, and you won't be able to like. Download back into a cyber brain um, if you're in the net depersonalized for too long. Um, and so, with Alt's uh, situation, um, Mike Ponsmith said on a stream that uh, when she was uploaded, like she had a plan. Like she, she got kidnapped, but like she's a master class uh, net mm-hmm. She had a plan. Uh, take down Arasaka from literally the inside steal all of their money take Soul Killer um, and download back to her body Um, and like she was gonna do it like uh, and then Johnny fucking shows up and uh, shoots the dude um, and unplugs her Mm. because he sees that she's basically like in a coma and he's just like no shakes fists at Heaven's but like that was the thing that actually kills her is, like, him unplugging her and just, like, taking her out because um, she didn't have, you know, it's, it's, it's like a unplugging too early from uh, The Matrix, right. Right, mm. right? It's just like, you know, if, if you get to a phone, you know? Um, so, like, Johnny essentially kills Alt, but he doesn't note that. But Alt, in her fleeing into the net, she knows that. We don't know necessarily how long it took for her to lose her personality.
3: Uh, You know, to to alt in cyberspace, it could feel like it has been 50 years. It could feel like it's literally been a second. Mm.
0: You know, we don't know how fast it's been. Um, But like, I feel like she carries that, that resentment, just like some somewhere kind of like deep in her code now, um, she's just like, motherfucker, you're, you're the reason why I'm like this, like you don't get to like feel bad that like your heroism failed, just like, I would have been fine. I didn't need you to save me, I was about to save everybody, I was about to do, I was about to complete your goal for you, because, I don't know, some part of her, she still loves him. Like, I don't know, but like, you know, like I said, like, <laughs> men not perceiving that women can take care uh-huh. of the shit that needs to get taken care it's, of.
1: It's also Johnny being like, oh, this is all about me. You did this mm-hmm. to get to me. And so, like, he's not even yeah. thinking. Soboro
0: Arasaka, a yeah. hundred year old motherfucker, wants me, Johnny mm-hmm. Silverhand, uh-huh. a, a veteran from the Fourth Corporate War specifically. Uh-huh. Like, really, Johnny?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so much like, ugh, it, I mean, Johnny is supposed to be frustrating in this moment and, and he's supposed to be just like the most annoying dude at this point, but um, it, it really like emphasizes that and then brings it all to the front again when we go and uh, well, first, so we, zap back to Brigitte which is a cool moment because like it literally frames it like it was just a moment that was it but we experienced Mm -hmm. this whole um series of events all within that moment um and Brigitte tells us hey like um there's enough here uh to like draw alt out um so we're going to go to the black wall we do this like big zip through cyberspace and uh she's like And now we're going to cross cross over it out into the beyond the black wall. And by us, I mean you. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, she's like, go on through. And we kind of just like walk through and we're out into this vast expanse. And it's oh, this this moment where it's like this big, vast expanse of like almost nothingness. And then we see Alt kind of start to form out on like the far edges and come further and further into view as giant lady is is very good. I like it Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and um, Alt appears as this giant, distorted AI avatar. Like there's there is a form, but very indiscernible and not completely human. Like I feel like it's supposed to be very unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "Hey, hi, uh, what's going on? What are you doing here, Johnny?" <laughs> um. And some some interference starts up. So you had this, you had a thing with NetWatch here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So NetWatch like slipped you a virus and caused problems. Yeah. So they slipped a virus, and it
2: as, as it was coming, like as it was like starting to manifest in the cyberspace, all pulls us away, and in the process, I like destroys that entire area, including the voodoo boys that had come into cyber list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're dead. Um, oops. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, for, for me, it was just like, Alt was like, look, I don't need to talk to the voodoo boys. I'm just here to talk to Johnny. And she's like, Oh, I just put them in another room. Basically mm-hmm. they can, yeah. they can go somewhere else. They don't need to listen to this. Um, and so we, we go into this separate room where it's alt and johnny and v and uh alt is like what are you doing here johnny what's going on uh and johnny's like Cause i can pay you can pay me back for getting you out of arasaka which <laughs> okay so i think yeah, specifically she's, she's like excuse,
0: like motherfucker like,
1: just say? <laughs> well I, I think explicitly what this is referring to that that they get into is that like johnny later discovered that Alt was alive on the net was that that like um as alt you know tells johnny here like the the death of alt cunningham the alt that he knew was his own fault like he did that but the engram of alt was within the Sokka subnet and the whole flashback that we have earlier where johnny was like storming the top of our Sokka tower with rogue and spider and all them was him not just nuking arasaka tower but also like trying to destroy the ice and free alt from the like digital prison they had created around her so he's like oh you owe me for getting you out of arasaka like digital jail um anyways and again she's like "Motherfucker!" Yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah In Johnny's head he's like This is how things worked out From my perspective And Alt is like Jesus Christ Or or what it is
2: now (laughs) Yeah I mean the interesting thing About that though Is like when you As V can be like You know No it wasn't Johnny's fault And she'll just say like What you saw is a very subjective Yes Recounting of the thing And that Like in a similar similar way That we're talking about With the Voodoo Boy stuff Like The ways that 2077 Like almost obfuscates The truth from you The player Mm Mm-hmm like it, it it can be like you know in some people's minds a writing issue but like to me that's more of like a reference to there are other ways to experience this world and you know yes there are products that you can buy that, so it's not like an i wouldn't even call it, like a marketing thing but it is at least just, like an acknowledgement that like what actually happened is not necessarily relevant to V, but the truth is out there and that's why i kind of i mean it, it goes back as far as the stuff that we're talking about with the uh, like the life path stuff like the game is very deliberate with what it tells the player and while also, like, like basically are trying to frame your vision of this world in a very specific way based on who V is, what their relationship to the people around them is, and where they, like where they came from. And so I like that. It's something that we can kind of suss out still, and I think it's, like, intended to be sussed out, that, like, the way that we see things when Johnny remembers them is not entirely accurate. Like, we even talked about it, how... Like, how dramatic, like, his his goodbye to Carrie was in that first flashback. Because, like, he's just got this, you know, very, uh, you know, tragic figure, hero complex going on. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting. Like, I like that there's a character that it's just, like, straight up, this man is fucking delusional. Mm-hmm. And you should not believe the fucking word he says.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I like this whole section with Alt and Johnny as well, because you have this you know this sort of realization that the alt that is here is not necessarily the alt that johnny cares about and honestly this alt hates johnny (laughs) like Mm. just finds johnny detestable in all ways and and alt's existence at this point like is mostly just i mean it's not all that dissimilar from johnny's either because like you know not not to get too deep into the weeds on this but like what is an engram is like they straight up say like it's not a soul necessarily like it is data it is the consciousness but maybe not like the person so like, you have the line here um recreate an engram of the disentangle us from johnny and inject the engram into our body which is what the plan that alt poses to us uh when we say like hey help us out like the relic is killing us and and johnny is like pleading for alt to help us out um and we basically crack a plan to reach mikoshi uh and and get the processing power and all that that would let us be able to do the thing we need to do because it turns out the voodoo boys once again deceived us (laughs) they Mm. do not have the tech to help us out we're gonna have to do this ourselves um but we do draw a distinction here that like there is the engram in the physical form but like soul killer is apt because like what can really happen here like you know what does it mean to have data written onto a drive that is you that doesn't necessarily mean that you make it over Mm -hmm. like there are there are plenty of things like the prestige was an entire movie about this this concept and and soma oh my god i fucking love the video game soma uh was an entire video game about this concept of like Mm -hmm. what does it mean to copy yourself and yeah. and try to live in data um, it's, it's, that's yeah.
0: the entire that's the entire premise of the ghost in the shell franchise yep. mm. the, yep. the ghost in the shell uh-huh. right uh-huh. you know it's the implications of a society that has not only technologically invented but also commodified immortality in like turning the brain into a reproducible Right. hard
3: drive. Mm-hmm.
0: Add infinitum. Yeah, 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 and
2: it, you know, it speaks to the you know the characters that are you know all about this like um, Arasaka and how he wants to persist in a way that is not necessarily him actually you know living to see his you know like you know the future that he will ostensibly still exist in, but like it, he basically gets to still bother people even after death by making this copy of his soul that will live on and. So, you know, like, there's, there's a lot of grand ideas as to what this means, but it, it never actually manifests in what I think anyone th- that does it actually wants. I think they just, it's the closest thing they have to being able to persist and be not even, because, like, you know, it, it even goes into stuff like we talk about with V. Like, if you roleplay them that way, like, they want to be remembered after they're gone, where some people are not content to simply be remembered. They they want to persist and still exists in some form, even if it does, it's not something they get to live to see.
1: Well, and, and, like, what is living to see even mean? Because as far as the copy knows, like, Johnny Silverhand's, and Grim certainly thinks he's Johnny Silverhand, mm. but is he Johnny Silverhand? Or mm. is he bits and pieces of data that think they are Johnny Silverhand? Like, that's, I, there's a lot of good stuff happening here that I, I like a lot, and is, is very much about, like, I think that's why the theme of, you know death and remembrance in this game can be so interesting because you see a lot of these corporate types wanting to transcend the body and leave it behind and, and persist forever whereas for for people on the ground for the street kids who want to be legends there's so much about like leaving a mark at, but but like leaving and and mm-hmm. having that finite start and finite ends um it's 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 an interesting contrast i like a lot yeah. um anyways we've got our plan now we got break into mikoshi and um as we get back so i'll say for me nice pleasant walk out of there you mm-hmm. know me and brigitte mm-hmm. we're not exactly on good terms <laughs> um i was definitely like look brigitte like you you deceived us you didn't have what you said you had uh but we don't need you anymore so like f you i'm out goodbye don't call me and uh, you can even have a little line with Placide as you're walking out where you're like, bet you're bummed that we don't get to like beat the shit out of each other right now. Placide's like, ah, oh, there, there, there will be another time and something like that. It's that's, that's just how you end that. But for you, it seems like it was a uh, much more hectic exit, let's say. Uh,
2: frantic might be better. I don't know if it yeah. was hectic because they didn't catch me, but I did kill a few people on the way and I Thought I was, like, I was, you know, at the exit, like, ready to sneak out, and then you need authorization to get out. And Placid is, is in that top room, and I was like, oh, man, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to pull out my guns now. But if you get behind him, you can stealth kill him, which I did. Mm. Mm.
0: How dare you murder hey, my
2: hey, husband? Hey, hey, mm-hmm. he tried to murder me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah! <laughs> eye for an eye, Ken. Can... It leaves the whole world Um, without Placide. It does! does. Uh, And isn't that just the greatest injustice? It (laughs) truly is. He's just trying to distribute headless chickens to the families of Pacifica. Alright? Headless, bloodless chickens. Um, But we have to take another break as the the relic... What's up?
0: The, the, the plague takes all the blood out, the, out of the chickens. Exactly.
1: The, the, the chicken sickness that we have heard about. Yes, <laughs> The chicken embargo. Um, <laughs> but the relic starts to malfunction again. And this leads into us having another talk with Johnny, which I always remember because of that one TikTok meme where it would just end on johnny saying something like fuck and then the cyberpunk music kicking in and this is the one where they cut it so it's like if i wanted your body i'd just fuck it and it just cuts in cyberpunk music um yeah but it's uh th- this is the whole part where johnny just starts going on this completely self-centered narcissistic rant about arasaka and pacifica and the world and what it did to him and what it did to us it's about the people out there on the streets and like he just keeps going and going and you can't eventually take blockers to to make him stop talking um okay so a quick question uh so i had
0: this conversation
1: after i had this conversation
3: After
1: you interrogate the guy who oh the the Goro the Goro stuff yeah 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 Yeah. oh so you can have this conversation at multiple points then I guess oh interesting yeah I guess that makes sense because it branches oh that's true Mm -hmm.
3: yeah
0: yeah so it was it was very (laughs) it's very weird when I saw y'all yeah. uh, bring up this conversation here because i was just like wait i didn't have this conversation here. Mm-hmm. um so yeah that was
2: just so like i guess a it yeah i guess it happened whichever one of those first um story missions you finished first
1: mm-hmm. oh okay because like, the, there's
2: the rogue sense. stuff and then the goro stuff
1: yeah so that, okay that makes a lot of sense um yeah it's you know i so i my the way i'm handling this relationship is i'm just letting johnny talk but i'm mostly like rebuffing him or rebutting him like being like dude you are completely there by the way doing it here at this place at this angle you actually like he stops for a moment in front of a hotel and it like frames his head in front of this big sunburst that makes him look like he's got kind of like a jesus halo going on and I was oh, like, I wonder if somebody at Cyberpunk, like, like somebody at CD Projekt Red did that intentionally or whether this is just a very, like, happy accident that this dude going on a whole mm. rant about how he's the one speaking truth to power and fighting fighting the corpos and the injustices suddenly stops and he's got the literal God complex going on. Um, but it's... I can see yeah, that being kind of intentional. Mm. It's, um... I do think it's interesting to like at least hear him out and let him talk, and and he does make the one point that like they were they're after everything like everything we physically own, all of our money, all of our space, all of like everything that Night City is is just being overwritten, and now they want to take our souls too. I was like, yeah, you know what? Cool. It it does have that level of like my dude, I just came here to get some weed and now like you're mm-hmm. on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, but it's, it, you know, I this this game is about role playing. And I think in any RPG, when you're given the opportunity to just let a character vent about their uh, motivations, I'm always inclined to just let them talk. But I think for Johnny specifically, this was at least starting to add layers to him as like, maybe he's starting to realize that he was not the giant cog in the machine that he thought he was like i -hmm. i I think one of the more interesting nuances of johnny's story is actually him realizing that he did not achieve what he wanted to achieve in his life and he was not the person like he was not remembered as he wanted to be remembered and Seeing him work his way through that is is interesting and compelling and maybe the best use of Keanu in this game mm-hmm. in a game that maybe does not make the best use of all the Keanu it has, but here is where they actually felt like they used the good parts of the Keanu. so you
3: know,
2: I c- c- before he gets on you know his rant like and he asks you if you want to hear it, he does have a lot of stuff where like you can ask you're know, just kind of like speak your fears out into the world and, like, ask things like, will I realize it when you finally, like, have taken over? Like, And he's like, I don't really know, but, you know, well, like, don't worry about that. We're going to, you know, do whatever we're going to do. And then you ask him, like, what's it like to be in my body and, like, feeling all this stuff? And he talks about how there's, like, a, a lag of sensation. Um, And then he, he, he makes a joke about, like, uh, dealing with a clusterfuck of our hormones. And I was like... Damn, Johnny, I hope you enjoy what it feels like to be attracted to men. He, he, um,
1: did he have that line for you, too? Because it makes sense for, for me, because I'm playing a female V, but I wonder why, yeah, he, why he said that for you. That's weird. Because
2: now he knows what it's like to be attracted to men.
1: Oh, no, I mean, just, like, the the hormones line. I know. I don't know enough about biology, so I might just be outing myself as a dumbass here, but... Uh, all mm-hmm. those gay
0: hormones. Mm-hmm. All those, all the gay, all those hormones. gay hormones, aromatics. Yeah, uh, but yeah. in our
2: water, uh, canonically bisexual. <laughs> Is he? Damn, he didn't give Carrie the time of day all that time.
1: Yeah, he did. Wait, hold the fuck up. <laughs> Do we have? Wait. Are we <laughs> okay, so, recording so, so a podcast so. while Ken discovers that Johnny and Carrie had a fling?
2: <laughs> He's mm,
0: okay. Wait, yes. All right. Uh, I, so the one so one of my many uh, giant criticisms of this game and we can probably just I don't know invite me back for a separate podcast um but like uh, a lot of the uh, queer characters like aren't, uh, aren't well queer coded i guess i don't know i don't i'm not sure how best to describe it but my specific criticism of like Johnny and Carrie specifically is that they Sexual history, um, and the game only references it like once, I think, in which Johnny kind of like hand waves it, and it's just like, well, yeah, fucked everybody, and I'm just like, I guess like in a very nineteen seventies nineteen eighties glam rock, you know, Studio Fifty Four, everybody was fucking everybody kind of way.
2: Um, okay, I'm I'm reading the guidebook on where it says this, that. Uh, mm. Like I, I will save my feelings on the Johnny and Carrie relationship for the Carrie episode, but
1: mm. <laughs> this is this has added some new dynamics. <laughs> I look
3: forward to
2: it. Yeah, yeah that's a. I have I have, a, I have a, as you can imagine I have a lot of complicated feelings on the Carrie stuff that. Yeah, you know, yeah, which we, you know when we have the full
1: context of that episode, we'll get to that. But there's a lot of stuff um, to to dig into there. But wonderful,
0: our wonderful Filipino games.
1: <laughs> uh i I just think as like closing thoughts on this whole section i do think it was really refreshing to come back and and appreciate the voodoo boys a little bit more with with understanding for for what there is there and it does kind of make me a little like frustrated retroactively i guess and this was something that i was going to mention earlier but i didn't get around to i was thinking a lot about why the the context for the Voodoo Boys and the history of the Voodoo Boys, which could be like really interesting and, and add a lot to their story if you're if you're coming up in this in this area and learning about them and and might add a little bit more than like when you are presented up front like face on with like oh this is a, a gang of people called the Voodoo Boys you're like you see it from like a Polish video game developer you're like oh boy <laughs> but mm. um yes. It's uh, I, I think part of it, I was thinking about how CD Projekt has handled The Witcher as well. And I, this is not me making excuses for CD Projekt. It's just me thinking about the way that CD Projekt has approached what has become their, their go-to, which is making, they make a lot of games based on established IP. Um, like The Witcher is obviously based on the novels, um, although they all take place after the novels, um and cyberpunk is based on a tabletop role-playing game and that also made me think about stuff like larian and baldur's gate and all that and there are kind of assumptions that are made i think sometimes by developers when they go into these worlds that like it's almost like they assume that people will be somewhat familiar with the way it is and i've seen cd project get defensive about that before like when people point out the lack of Representation in, in The Witcher, there was a lot of talk about like, well, this is what The Witcher is. It's like a Euro-Polish fantasy world and this is the way it was written and so we made it that way. And Cyberpunk almost feels like that sometimes where they're like, well, if you want to know about that, it's in the tabletop. Go read mm-hmm. the tabletop books. And for... I think on some level, if they approached it from that direction and were more upfront about it, I'd be like, okay, you know what, fair enough. You are not trying to make you know, my first cyberpunk game. You are trying to make an extension of the cyberpunk universe in the same way that the Witcher games were an extension of the Witcher universe and carried the story forward. But you also need to be upfront about that and Mm -hmm. say that more often and maybe like also acknowledge that while you're trying to make what is going to be like a game that you're very aware that people are going to play without having experienced that stuff before, because mm-hmm. the amount that they were marketing it, that it was such this huge, is it was a massive game? And, and they, they knew that you have to know that going in. And so the level of like, maybe we should do some things that introduce players to these characters and the world and the lore in a way and i don't feel like there was a ton of that done there were like a few videos i saw in the lead up to cyberpunk that were kind of covering like learn about the lore of cyberpunk but a lot of it was like here's what johnny silverhand is like in the cyberpunk lore and here's what we know about him in the game and a lot of that stuff was coming out of youtube content creators too um not necessarily cd project that stuff also, like, plays back in because I-, I think about like how much there is in Cyberpunk and really like how big this world is. And I, I do feel like now that I've opened the Pandora's box of like bringing up Larian and the D stuff, it is like I think Larian goes to like painstaking levels of like we are committed to the D and D that we are doing. Um, we are doing and D story in the in the baldur's gate setting and universe and like we're doing all this stuff but that constant reminder of the roots of it down to the point that they're like literally playing tabletop stuff during their patch nodes videos and stuff it it does constantly remind you that like this has roots somewhere mm-hmm. whereas cyberpunk always seemed to want to just remind you that this is this is a super awesome video game parentheses based on a tabletop role playing game. Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same, same as like the Witcher. I I, I get really, fr- cause one of my favorite quests in the Witcher three wild hunt is Yennefer and the Jinn, because that's like the, yes, that's like the culmination of this big thing from the books. Like the first Witcher book, if I remember right, was the last wish. And it's the culmination of like years of Yennefer and Geralt having relationship issues and stuff. And (laughs) for a lot of people, they probably got to that and they were like, Oh, well, so that was a neat thing. I guess Yennefer and Geralt are, are like together now, but like for people who read the books, that was like, Oh my God, this is huge. Oh, it was great. And, and the Witcher was the same way where it was like, check out these awesome video games based on a novel series by Andre. <laughs> like that's um I I don't know, but that's 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 kind of where my thoughts are on this. Ken, how did you feel about this this section as a whole?
2: Uh I get what you say like I feel like broader context has helped me kind of see it in a, in a new light. And also I think mm. it's just kind of helped me broadly appreciate I think I think the nuances in how serverpoint 2077 in spite of everything we just said, like I, it's it's got a commitment to like making sure that you as V have a very specific place in this world to the point where it's almost unapologetic in what it's withholding from you and you know a lot of the conversations we had with proceed like any time that we tried to like ask him about something he was very disinterested in giving mm-hmm. us any inform- information and just like making sure we understood where we stood in this world and that's just interesting to me that I feel like this section between stuff with the voodoo boys and stuff with Johnny and all kind of like it's interesting in that like it makes me want to know more about this world but also makes me very content not knowing because I feel like as a person who has like a strong attachment to V and existing in this world as him I think I'm kind of cool with knowing little about things that I am outside of the scope of in a way if that makes sense um Hmm. but yeah, that's just some, it's a it's interesting context to have as we keep going forward, uh, in terms of analyzing, like that, that being another facet of how we talk about this game in terms of like how it talks about its world in a way that is very player facing while also like, like, y'all have been saying, like not acknowledging the history behind it. And, you know, asking ourselves whether that was CD Projekt red's place to begin with. Um, so those are my kind of my takeaways coming out of this section.
1: Ira, do you have any last thoughts on on this whole section as we kind of wrap up here? Um, I love the Beautiful Boys all day. <laughs> um, it, I I find them. Um,
0: I I think the aspects of them that uh, are well written. The perspective you two, from uh, my perspective, are kind of just like accidents <laughs> on the CD project. Worst part, I think white people just you know accidentally write good people of color sometimes. Um. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, kind of like how uh, you know uh, Hermione from Harry Potter is like a good black character, and like I know J.K. Rowling as a black woman Mm. but like I read her as a child and I was just like oh yeah um, me and so like there's that aspect and that's there's a legitimate and valid criticism from all sides um, about why that is annoying (laughs) Um, uh, you should intentionally write characters well Um, at least a, a good writer Endeavor to intentionally write characters well. Um, Uh And, but like that, you know, criticism withstanding, I I still love what the Voodoo Boys represent as uh, the representation of like cyberpunk from the perspective of the global south. Um, Exploited, um, traumatized, stateless. And just fed up uh, and just like carving out a space for themselves to exist um, uh, and explaining nothing to anyone um, because they don't have to uh, because you know they're they're at the culmination of just hundreds of years of history especially in our relationship to and capitalism uh-huh. and uh, slavery and exploitation and just being like, you know what? We're just going to be over here. If you need us, you know you don't. And if we need you, we'll call you. Um, and like and that's it. Um, uh, you know, Placide uh,
3: is my husband. If you're built like him, <laughs> call me up. Um, uh,
0: if you're built like um, Teva uh, also call, uh, call me up. Um. Uh, I think that a lot of the criticism um, around this game often misses the mark because uh, the critics are white um, uh, I, I think the game has less of an issue like this is just random like, thoughts, I think the game has less of an issue with uh, explicit racism uh, outside of its relationship to like its history of orientalism and the genre I think this game has a particular issue with colorism um, Uh, as most of its dark skinned characters are either not romanceable or fucking murdered um, where all of its romanceable characters are light skin Um, I think that uh, it was extremely satisfying in my first playthrough to uh, play as a person wearing a hijab Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, given my personal history with Islam biggest criticisms I think two of my biggest criticisms of other people's criticism is that uh, V is not a cyberpunk Um, like they're just a random gonk Mm -hmm. in Night City who's born in this world and doesn't like have any other option but to exist in this world so they pick up a gun and they sign up for the subcontractor program with the NCPD because that's how you eat and mm-hmm. pay rent. Mm. Like, that's, those are just your options in this world. And they suck. And they know that they suck, but, like, what is Marxism going to do for me in 2077? Fucking nothing. Mm. Um, uh, so, like, yeah. Like, and, and those people exist in worlds like this. Like, yes, you have the voodoo boys who are trying to break through the black wall to free the free AI uh, to run roughshod over uh, the capitalists who trap them behind the black wall. You have, uh, you know, the Judy's who try and do their best to protect sex workers in Night City. Uh, You have the Evelyn Parkers who just get fucking trampled by uh, society. You have... The Berries, who are cops, yeah, but, like, holy shit, that quest was fucking heartbreaking. Mm, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, so, like, ACAB, but, like, holy shit, <laughs> right? Just, like, you know, like, it's it's hard existing in this world. Mm-hmm. And V is just one of these people who just exists in the world. They don't have any real investment on trying to, like, save Everyone or ending capitalism and replacing it with like a socialist utopia like just people exist and Visa's one of these people who exists and in their endeavor to exist she loses her best friend and ends up with a terminal illness <laughs> um, uh, in which her personality is getting overwritten like that's fucking traumatizing as fuck
3: uh-huh.
0: how how do you deal with that? Do you, you know, go on the main quest line that you think will save your life? Or do you just like say, you know what? <sighs> Fuck it, I'm just gonna like go over here somewhere. And like, those people exist. You role play as a person who exists in a society <laughs> that is fundamentally, we live in a society of uh-huh. <laughs> You, you exist as a person who lives in a society that is fundamentally unjust, that is punitive from all angles, at all sides, at all times, in all ways. And you just make it up as you go along. Because you can't do anything to change or save the world. It's almost like we live in that kind of society right now today, in 2022, and have been living in a world like that for a couple decades now, and that 50 years ago, an entire genre sprang up from storytellers who were like, hey, in 50 years, if things are like this, it's bad, Mm -hmm. and uh, you should, like, avoid it, and if you don't avoid it, I don't know what else to tell you. I guess here's this video game.
3: Mm.
1: Here's this video game, indeed. Yeah, that's that's a great, uplifting note to end on. <laughs> <is> <laughs> I, shit, like, look, shit sucks, I, but here's a video game. <laughs> like shit and the, the
0: the grand grand irony that it takes a cyberpunk dystopia in order to create uh, high, fidel- high fidelity high fidelity high-quality cyberpunk yes. content yeah. is, like, not fucking lost mm-hmm. on me. It's just like, oh, great, we live in a cyberpunk dystopia that can give us a new Neon Genesis Evangelion, <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, and Blade Runner content. Great. Oh. So, like, the the, the the genre, like, can't... It, it it can't warn us of a gunshot wound after we've been shot. Mm. And, like, we're, we're bleeding. At like, as a, as a demographic. Like, we're... It, it's already there you I, I I don't I don't even play Cyberpunk 2077 anymore because like I, I go outside and it's like already there uh. right like like it, it the the world is the warning like the the game you know doesn't always have the most compelling dialogue uh, but I feel like the world that it actually shows its players is the warning it it, it was the warning in the first cyberpunk book published in nineteen eighty-eight, it was the warning and Snow Crash, in and Neuromancer, and Parable of the Sower, and Parable of the Talents, uh, in The Dispossessed, uh, in Cyberpunk twenty-twenty, and Cyberpunk Red, and yes, in Cyberpunk twenty-seventy-seven. That is compelling storytelling to me because it is the warning. Mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell is the warning.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yes, like the you know the the, the stories they tell are centered. Cops, sure. Blade Runner is about slave catchers. Like it's mm-hmm. it, the world is the warning. You just have to heed it. Mm-hmm. But we didn't heed it. <laughs> we we all said that we were going to be, you know, fucking rebellious hackers, and like here we are. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like we, we we have a responsibility to, to like do something. Like we're we're, we're all not going to be able to be, you know, uh, a fucking. Techy Netrunner build V, we're not all going to be Motoko Kusanagi. We're not like we, we're 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 just actually we, we, we are V. We're just like without all the scope points, <laughs> so, <laughs> mm. uh, you know. Like we're 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 just trying to make our way mm-hmm. as as best we can. Um, you know, like that's that's all we can do. Uh, I think is so so like so like so like. You know, as I end, like, mm-hmm. what, what, what is your role in a cyberpunk dystopia? Like, you, you live in one. If you live in an American city, you live in one. It's like, like, it, it, Night City is Los Angeles. It's Oakland. It's Philly. It's New York. Mm-hmm. It's Atlanta. Like, so, so, like, what are you doing to like beat back the darkness? Like, what are you actually doing? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be a hacker. There was a there was a a, a fucking anti corporate bombing less than a week after Cyberpunk 2077 came out in Tennessee. like, And, and it didn't work the same way that Johnny's mm-hmm. nuking of Arasaka didn't work. Rachel Bartmoss tried to destroy the net. The only thing that happened was the Black Walls put up and corporation's built like a, a net to they could control. Like, what are you actually doing to beat back this dystopia you live in? Like I I I want this is the aesthetic analysis that I I talked about. Mm -hmm. Like like you have to consume the media and then actually challenge the way that you live and exist in the world. So like that like, you know, that's you might not hear that as hopeful, but like I, I genuinely want people to consume cyberpunk content as the warning that it's meant to be and then Really go back into the world and do something about it. Does somebody need to be fed? Does somebody need, uh, you know, access to healthcare services? Mm-hmm. Does somebody need housing? Um, you know, like, w- like what can you really do? Mm-hmm. Because V can't do anything. They can just pick up a gun. Like, what, what can you actually do? Like, go back out into the world, wear a mask, be vaccinated. <laughs> but like, what can you actually do mm-hmm. to prevent a society like Night City? Twenty twenty and twenty seventy seven from occurring because we are way too close. We are way too close. That's like my my Twitter is very <laughs> consistent in this expression. Like, like do something. We we really need like, you know, do something. I I beg. Uh-huh. We've had fifty years. We've known this is coming. Like, come on. Like, we gotta we gotta get this together. So like, you may not necessarily hear. Hope uh, in that little diatribe, but like I appreciate whoever has made it this far into the
3: podcast.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: I'm sorry for giving you like a five star fun time. But, they knew like, what they signed up for. I, this
1: is, we're so far into what? Normandy FM at this point, we're no strangers to three r podcasts, <laughs> they know what they signed up for.
0: <laughs> um, but but yeah, um, I appreciate you for having me on, of course. Um, I, I hope people aren't uh, mad at me. No. Uh, please don't send me death threats. <laughs> Um, Yeah, don't do the y'all. Don't be,
1: don't be dicks on Twitter. That's that's the rule of thumb. um, Yeah. Um. But
0: but yeah. So, um, if y'all are like, you know, looking for, I don't know, cyberpunk narratives that, um, are providing the thing that you may have missed from twenty seventy seven
1: go watch
0: the movie Neptune Frost.
1: Neptune Frost. Go watch
0: that fucking movie. Because that is, uh, it's basically South Africa, it's African cyberpunk. It's set in Rwanda. Mm. Um, but it's essentially cyberpunk from the perspective of the global south, which I feel like the Voodoo Boys do a good job, of accidentally, of representing, and Neptune Frost is absolutely fucking excellent. Um, so if you're looking for like, you know, cyberpunk, but, like, you need it to, like, be, like, intellectually meatier,
3: mm. um,
0: then, uh, you know, what 2077 may have not given you, go see Neptune Frost. You will be sated. I've already seen it twice. I'll probably see it a third
3: time.
1: Hell yeah. And and that that note that you end on about, like, doing stuff, that's echo that here to like finding ways in which you can make good in this world especially as as of the time of this recording we have had nothing but real bad for the last couple weeks um like
0: more cyberpunk than (laughs) authors in the 80s could have ever actually predicted
1: yeah and in and in the most boring spiteful ways possible like not even it it not even theatrical we, we don't even have, we, don't, we don't even have neon yeah. Uh, yeah lights
0: everywhere oh there's not enough leather on people yeah. like seriously the lack of the aesthetic <laughs> is astounding um
1: but i i imagine with our next episode which delves into judy and and her specific character uh storyline we'll we'll maybe start to look at how people in night city try mm. to make it better uh, piece by piece with their own respective areas and and with what their their causes and what they want to fight for are uh, I'm very excited to dive into that stuff because uh, I have I'm excited to listen to I've not seen that Judy content um, I never did oh, really I, yeah no I've I think I only did the first Judy side quest the first time I played the game because uh, mm-hmm. I romance okay. Pan Am and this time I'm romancing Judy and uh I did that first Judy side quest and was so shocked and appalled by what happened that I was like, you know what? I don't want to see any more of that quest line. So goodbye. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah. I mean, preemptive content warning on the next episode, but uh, yeah, yeah. It goes places. It'll be interesting. But as always, we are Normandy FM. We are a retrospective podcast. We have covered everything from mass effect to dragon age to jade empire to the last of us to final fantasy 10 and now we're up to cyberpunk 2077 if you want to follow us and support us you can always head over to twitter.com and go to normandy fm show or you can follow us on the podcatcher of your choice maybe leave us a five star review only five stars that's all we care about (laughs) no no not five stars and uh if you want to back us in a more fiscal manner you can always feel free to do so this is not kenner eye's Day job, but any amount does help us get the stuff going and pay for hosting costs and things like that. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash NormandyFM, where any level will get you into the backer Discord where you can hang out, chat with us, ask us questions, and discuss the games we are currently playing or have played previously. Uh the next level up will get you these episodes as soon as Ken is done editing them. And considering this episode that we're recording will go live on the free feed on uh, July No, not even July. Nope. Uh, Oh boy. When does this one go live? August 31st? <laughs>
2: that felt right.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are we are recording far ahead of schedule. <laughs> um so if you are listening to this August not empty. in August august 17th um if you're listening to this not in august congratulations uh thank you for backing us and uh at the highest level you get your name shout out on every episode of the show and on this episode that list includes mercedes clewis meredith micah Mante, shane erickson and darius pippins thank you all so much for contributing and helping us do what we do here at normandy fm like bringing on awesome Guests like Iyer. For the folks at home, please tell them where they can find more of what you do and keep up with all things you. Um,
0: that would be on Twitter at eloquent Um, I just post spicy takes. I'm going to uh, try to write more long form stuff. Heck but yeah! I've been dealing with some job and life stuff, Um, but yeah, I try my best to, um, like, bridge the gap between the systemic and the individual, uh, to bridge the gap between the media that we consume and um, how we see the real world, Um, especially since the cyberpunk genre, especially Hans Smith's Cyberpunk was a very like intentional. Here's how we get from, you know, California in nineteen ninety. The the his the like faux history that he makes begins in nineteen ninety. Here's how we get from regular United States in nineteen ninety to what they call the dark future by like the twenty teens. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I really try to. Intelligently express how the media that we make and consume can lead to the world that we live in. Um,
3: So, like, if we want to not live in a bad world, maybe
0: we should start imagining in real ways how we get from here to something that isn't terrible. Mm -hmm. Because I genuinely believe that the future doesn't have to be bad like I really I genuinely fucking believe that Um, so it would be great if we all worked towards that and and do that and in the meantime can somebody give me a political strategy game that does socialism (laughs) please Uh, please I just want to put that out on on the internet mm -hmm. like I want I want Crusader Kings 3 but communism like I so that's my plea that's my final thing if anyone's working on that bless you <laughs> if anyone isn't get on it like now so yeah or if anyone wants to like work with me on like actually making that I, I kind of have a thing <laughs> but I, I don't know how to like make video games so like just putting that out there Generally, I would want a paradox kind of type <laughs> game. Like, but socialism. That is and the not like a action. hive mind.
1: It's the call to yeah, action. like not not
0: not a hive mind. That's not socialism. Like I want actual like socialism communism. But like crusade against it basically.
1: That's that's yeah. the request. If you're out there, you now that's know that's that where please, to reach. Yeah, like <laughs> please, please, I beg so yeah thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure to have you on yeah and it was great to talk about this and we'll see everybody for the next episode where we're going to talk all about Judy and the side quest before I for Ken for myself thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next time on Normandy
3: (laughs) FM